Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 77 with my longtime friend and connoisseur of the finer things in life, John Wayshack, who joins us this week to discuss his career as a comic book artist and a freelance illustrator. We talk a bit about his influences and how he got his start in the industry and distinguishing a unique style, which sometimes requires pulling influences from different mediums, such as music and film. We also talk about comics. We talk a lot about comics in this one. Artists and comic book fans alike, you're going to really enjoy this one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at thecollectivepodcast.com forward slash Audible. Check it out. This is going to be episode 77. Boom! I was actually thinking about it earlier and I was like, dude, I've known you for such a long time. It's crazy. I've known you since like 2000. So we've known, we've known one another for about 14 years now, going on 15 years. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a real long time. I still have, um, it's crazy. I still have your Malachi CD and all that stuff. Oh man. man that's so crazy. So all, that's, cool. all that stuff you ever sent me, I still have it. Ah, <laughs> it's classic dude. That is classic. Yeah. For those that are listening, I maybe I'll give a little backstory to as to how to, how we know one another. I was a, I think I was like a sophomore in high school. I can't remember the details um, right off the top of my head. I have a bad memory, but I I, I think that was right around when um, that website DeviantArt was really big or just started. And uh, I don't know how it was, but I somehow kind of stumbled upon John's work and. It was like, I don't know, every time, any time in my life where I find another artist um, that creates like John or, or there's a, they, they have a vision and a style all their own or this have this really great energy about their work um, and a presence, um, I just feel like, I don't know, it's, it's like as if you met a friend that you didn't know you had, but it, it, it makes sense to you, like their art, it speaks to you for some reason. And for me... Uh, when I'd seen your art, it reminded me of um, my brother drew a lot when we were growing up, and it had a lot of that energy and, and style and stuff. And but it was your you you had stuck with it a lot more rather than my brother had kind of fallen off and did other things. And so you were like a more refined version of that energy, and it was really cool. And I was infatuated with your work, and obviously, as you know, and when I did like a re- I think you're I did like a big report on you and had a like email you back in the day it was a very long time ago back when it wasn't super common doing these things and and uh you were super kind and super nice and then um yeah we we ended up being friends you know and i thought it was really rad that um you're cool with just you know talking to some nerd kid you know like because <laughs> i was just bugging you really i was just like dude you know it's so cool uh yeah you know i don't even i probably sound like such a little dipshit but it was really cool that um i don't know you're you weren't you weren't um i don't know you're always really inviting and welcoming and i thought i feel that was kind of rare and 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 i try to take that with me you know i try to take those examples along the ride with me um down the road and i just i don't know it was really rad and so yeah, we've just, I think we maintain the communication off and on, like, 
since then really very you know so, so we'll go five like i think we, we've gone like five years or something without talking then we'll just have like a random text or something because we both had the same cell phones i think for some such a long time but yeah it's it's pretty fascinating though i haven't really haven't really established friendships with people for that long just because i used to move around a lot but yeah i've known you for a long time it's crazy <laughs> yeah man it's 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 kind of it's kind of it's interesting for me to see like um because i remember i remember all that pretty clearly actually um i don't know for some reason you remember certain people and that message you and you were always like very passionate and and outside of that your, your work was really talented you're really good especially for your age and and you're you're i mean you do fantastic drawings now man and it's just funny to see that it's been so much late so many years later and you know, you're like working on like big budget movies and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's cool, man. It's like, you know, you're so far beyond what I do. I'm still like some dude, like sitting, drawing like these weird little cartoons, like in, in, little, in this dungeon, you know what I mean? So it's, it's really, it's really awesome to see that, you know what I mean? And it's still, it still kind of trips me out to this day. Like there's, there are some people that, I I do know that have been following my work for a real long time. And then, you know, they show up one year at Comic-Con and, you know, like in the beginning, they're like some kids. And then the next year they're like, um, or like a few years down the road, she, you know, she's pregnant. I'm like, Oh my God, she's pregnant. It used to be like this, this young girl that was buying my little comic, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's weird. You know, the, the, the mind trip, you know, it never stops, but it's fun though. It makes it really fun to see, to see that kind of movement that kind of progression. It's kind of, it's fun, you know, makes the cons and all that worthwhile absolutely i think it's the people you know really i mean that's what it breaks down to and and yeah i I was just the reflection on time um i think that's one thing that is easy to lose sight of as a human being myself included is is time and how fast time flies and and but when you get a chance to know somebody i mean for me my childhood i was moving around so much i had a hard time keeping track of anybody for a long period of time so when I was when I went to sit down before I do before I do any podcast, I usually kind of just write out notes and ideas and just stream of consciousness stuff to kind of keep myself focused on topics and stuff. And I was like, dude, I've known I've known John for such a long time, and I was like, it's just it's really awesome, and it's really cool for me to be able to keep in touch with you, and also be like, I'm still doing art, man. Like we're I mean, all that time that you spent like you know giving me advice and stuff like it didn't go on deaf ears it was i was applying it and i was using it and and it was inspiring me and pushing me you know so it's just really rad you know it's like it was a very i think if anything we had kind of like a loose very loose mentor system and it was really rad just being able to understand kind of kind of the process of how you go through the things that you do and how you maintain your lifestyle and stuff. I mean, that was back when you're in San Francisco. Are you? You're not there anymore, though, right? You're in Oakland now, or no? I live in San Jose now. San Jose, that's no. right. Yeah. Yeah. You, and the move out of San Francisco is because it's just like a wicked expensive city, or anything. No, I, I mean, at, at the time, I moved. I moved out of San Francisco quite a while ago, quite a few years ago, and at the time, it was. I lived in San Francisco about nine years and I lived in the same place because it was rent control and it was really cheap and I liked it. Mm. You know, I love that place. And funny enough, I still, yeah. And I still dream about, I still have dreams that I'm still in that place every once in a while, which is bizarre, <laughs> you know, with it being so long. Um, but basically I just needed kind of a, something of a change. So I just decided to move, you know, I had opportunity to get a bigger space and all that, uh, more studio space. Quite frankly, the San Francisco place, I 
I was a kid and I basically destroyed the place. You know what I mean? Like it was, <laughs> it was in such a state of disrepair and you know, my, my ambition was I'm going to have a studio like Francis Bacon. So I wrecked the joint, you know? So like, it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, the, 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 and the, and the, the you know, by that time, the, the landlord probably wanted me gone. They're really nice. Like I didn't even do a walkthrough because I was like, I'm not getting my security deposit. So I just like slipped the key under the door and left, you know, it's just like, it was <laughs> that kind of thing, you know, well, you were but, there um, for a while, weren't you? Yeah. Nine years. So, yeah, that's a so long it was, time. it was to kind of have a change. Yeah. And do you, do you feel like having after that change, after moving out of the city, and did you go directly to San Jose, the place that you're at now? Yeah, I went straight to San Jose. Um, a few years later, I ended up getting a studio like in a warehouse, um, which was like a shared artist space. Uh, I just cool. recently moved out of there about a year ago, and I brought my operations back home. So the, the place I live in, I have like a loft. So my studio is up in my loft while I live downstairs. Okay. Um, do you yeah, like so- having it so close together? No, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. You know, um, but well, it's like you, you don't know any better until you have a studio. And I worked for so long at home. Um, after I did have the studio, uh, I really liked having the studio. Part of the reason why I moved back is my schedule for a few years was so hectic where I didn't, I didn't live at home. I lived at the studio. I kind of like worked. And then um, worked all day, worked all night, came home basically just to sleep, like literally sleep, watch an hour of TV, wake up, go back to this, you know, the studio. And I got, you know, after like three, you know, it was, it was like three years, like about a year and a half of that, two years of that were really brutal. Like, and I ended up, I, I was just like, I need to spend some time at home, you know. Um, it was, again, it was like a change of pace. Like you kind of just wear out on the place, especially when you work a lot of hours. Like, yeah, I was at the time when I like, nearly burned myself out i was doing like i was i was leaving my house at seven uh coming back for like a dinner at like uh eight o'clock and then go back to the studio at 10 come back at like two thirty three, and then like do it all over again you know so it's pretty <laughs> you know so um it's a, those are bad artist habits <laughs> well i i used i did all-nighters at the time too like two or three times a month and mm. you know the, the funny thing is like you don't really think about it and then you know i found out uh, all nighters. I'm like, if you're losing sleep, who the hell cares, right? But like, I found out, oh, all nighters are actually bad for your health. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're incredibly bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what made Wally Wood crazy. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> makes a lot of people in. crazy. Yeah. So, like, you know, and I'm like, you know, I read his biography and it talked about how, how Wally was doing probably a worse schedule than I was doing then. And that's kind of what drove Wally to like poor health, to like, depression being out of it you know you know wally wood didn't end in a good way you know which was a shame because he's such a you know one of my biggest influences and such a fantastic artist but that's probably part of what made him good too yeah i mean i think it's i mean we could go talk about that i think you know doing these things being infatuated and and fascinated by your work and the process of doing so is a part of what makes you you in the in your habits and your actions you know they lead to you know if you're staying up um for two days straight you're going to start seeing things and that's going to influence your art you know um whether it's your moods or your temper or the way that you communicate with others or the lack thereof you're gonna it's going to influence your art in some way you know and you can read that and feel that in people's art i think you know at least i see it uh, I know moments when I've gone crazy and I've lost sleep and it. You literally, I don't know for you, but it, for me, I lose, I go a little insane. There is this really sweet pocket of about 45 to 60 minutes of bliss, of sleep deprivation bliss that happens. 
I used to live for that in, in college and high school, but now I don't even care about it. <laughs> I just force it. <laughs> but I don't know. Have you, have you ever experienced that? There's like that, um, there's a magic hour, uh, where everything makes sense. Like the universe kind of just like, Oh, like there's like a ease of things. It's, I don't know. It's for, for people that don't do drugs. It's like this thing that happens naturally. <laughs> and that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, I don't, I don't get it like you do. It's kind of like when I do pull the all-nighters in the late nights, you have like, there's like this wall you have to push past where it's like, you know, you're like, you're getting tired and everything. And around one o'clock, um, around one o'clock, you're just like, oh, I can't make it. But once you get past that one o'clock threshold, you can go until like 5 p.m. the next day. Yeah, your it'll cycle sets. Up. Yeah, it resets. Yeah, but it'll hurt. It'll be horrible though. But yeah, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but there is like a weird moment around like, two o'clock you know maybe that's what you're talking about it's around two o'clock where everything's kind of quiet and you can have like a certain kind of music on and then you know you're kind of like whittling away and you know stuff's just kind of happening yes you know i it's it, i guess i guess it's a bliss but the thing is it makes me miserable so like i don't but i think that's a reflection of the kind of artwork i'm doing <laughs> you know so yeah. uh, there's like that bliss and that things seem to go and there's like a workflow but like for example, like the pieces I was preparing last year for Cotton Candy Machine in Brooklyn, there was I, I was doing like strictly nights at that time. For some reason, I ended up on that schedule, and I was on that schedule for several months, and I was going nuts. And I would hit that two, three a.m. where like everything was working, the pieces were coming together. Because my my pieces are very spontaneous, so there's no planning, so it's very like you know touchy feely, like you know <laughs> you know like things you know like yeah it's the emotion like you gotta experiment and so it's like around that time things would start to work but like those pieces were kind of heavy pieces so it's like everything was working but at the same time i was miserable but that was the nature of the work i was working on you know yeah it's like you're it's like you're almost like you're sharpening your own knife for yourself <laughs> yeah you know yeah. it's like a self it's like a self uh uh self-developed uh murder or something not murder but it's you know what i'm saying like you're developing it yourself almost in a sense <laughs> and yeah. you're almost like you can be self-sabotaging in a way i don't know like i mean for me sometimes i've had this conversation a lot with some friends of mine where we talk about it seems like you know we we, we discuss it a lot about with movies um some of the best movies or our favorite movies have been created through pain um and by pain, I mean like, you know, complete, utter annihilation of the human soul in a sense where the person that had to create it literally, literally uh, crushed their past self and developed themselves into something totally different. And through that sacrifice, all that energy that they put into this project, therefore, like, I don't know, makes it timeless. This is weird exchange of energy, I suppose. It's, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I've, the more studying I do, the more fascinated I get by how often it, it occurs, like this consistency thing, you know, where a director will literally go in kind of mental and insane while creating something. And for me, I always wonder if, if that is indeed the, the formula to creating ever, like long-lasting art is to be on that threshold of pain you know, and misery, <laughs> but I, w I, but part of me doesn't want to believe that because I don't want to live that kind of life, you know, cause it sucks. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it has to be pain and misery. You know, I think, I think what, what I'm, what I'm reflect, what I'm telling to you is kind of like how, what, what I go, what, you know, what, what my stuff's kind of about, you know, and that's just what my stuff's about, but it doesn't have to be that way. Not all artists are that way, you know, not, you know, you have like someone 
like Charles Schultz, who did Peanuts, was expressing a different kind of um, he was expressing a different kind of drama and a different kind of conflict, and it wasn't necessarily depressing, like soul crushing pain, but it's probably you know the early peanut strips are some of the you know most profound pieces of art of the last century, and people won't do it that you know won't, you know won't talk about it that way because it's peanuts, you know what I mean? So that's um, interesting too. It's another another interesting thing. Like you bring that up, like people's perception of what what makes good art and what makes art high class art and low class art and all that kind of stuff. I know that you're way more in, involved in this world than I am and have a totally different perspective than I do, and I'm really curious to see your thoughts and views on that kind of stuff because that's a great point and I couldn't agree with you more i mean i bring up quite a bit like otomo's work and we were both big fans of that and i often say that akira to me is one of the biggest and most important things that's occurred in like culture art wise and and for a very long time it's a it's a masterwork you know and it's just uh it's 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 obviously admired and 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 acknowledged by people like yourself and i but general populace i don't think i even understand how massive it is and i and i think that's what's funny about art is it's all like in the eye of the beholder you know like it's all subjective <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of fucked like that you know it's a kind of a fucked system so <laughs> but yeah uh, i mean akira is i mean really is like a genuine masterworks of the masterwork of the art form you know and it's kind of a, it, it really is a shame it bothers it, i mean it, it doesn't really bother me but it's just a shame that it's not recognized it's just not that recognized on that level of like you know in western comics you know because most comic artists won't even talk about it that way you know most comic artists probably never even read it they just flip through it you know yeah and it's really something everybody who's loves comics and is really interested in comics like you know you they want to study the art form i feel like it should be a studied um as like will eisner you know or anything like that any any landmark in the um medium it should be studied in the same way you know and um unfortunately it's not but you know it's from a different country and everything you know so sometimes that can't be helped you know yeah it's a challenge with that but i try to express my love of it every time i get a chance yeah, on the podcast, people are like, shut up about Otomo already. I mean, I, I, I often bring up Domu uh, because that's one of my all-time favorite graphic novels. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, in all fairness, I think I like it even more than Akira in, in certain ways. I mean, Akira is, is, is such a big such a big powerhouse and it's just so vast and if you get a chance um to read all like 2000 pages of it it's amazing um but um domu for me is such like this perfectly packaged like little amazing story and the way that he tells the story visually is is very like eisenstein film style with his own twist and it and it just blows me away that this dude does <laughs> has created this much work this much content you know it's just like it's fascinating. It's crazy. It's crazy that yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's depressing, you know? Like, it's depressing to know that I've already missed the chance to even be close to uh, that level of, of building that much work because I'm already 31, and by by the time that he turned 31, he was done with the anime, the manga, and was, like, working on other shit. So <laughs> it's like, dude. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm, you know, obvious, obviously we're different and all that kind of stuff. But, and another reason why I bring that up is because I know that, don't you have some, some of his work too? You have some kind of like, don't you have like a stash of some of his stuff or parts of it are like the copies or something like that? 
Oh yeah. <clears throat> Somehow years ago, I got like a copies of like um, the entire first bike sequence of uh, Kira, the um, the uh, storyboards of it, you know. And then the legend was always like he locked himself in a room and he drew all these boards and did the entire sequence because the sequence looks pretty much like what was made. And um, yeah, to me, it's pretty obvious that he drew them all and. Even the storyboards, like, you know, he, he did he did storyboards, you know, they're loose drawings. It's not like today where it's like, you know, the tight storyboards and digital storyboards and all that horse shit, you know, where like you gotta break <laughs> and make it look nice. Like he they were they are storyboards to a T. They're loose drawings. Yeah. But the reason why they look better than your your mind sketches, you know, um, is that that guy can just freaking draw, man. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, what like, is the deal with that? <laughs> uh yeah i don't know man some some people got it some people don't and, you know the craziest shit comes from like a you know a little like uh <laughs> you know unassuming asian guy he's got like the most berserk sense of humor and <laughs> he meanwhile, does <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile dude with dude with a mohawk is drawing like superman jumping in tights you know so yeah. it's like <laughs> you know the irony is books, just uncanny <laughs> yeah the irony is just out of control it's so funny uh yeah, yeah. and he, i've just he's i've heard that he's just a very you know, quiet and very smart and, 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 uh, insular type of person. And, and, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that it would be so great to, to sit down and chat with him and to see, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose he's caught, has to be a completely different person than he was then, but the amount of work and, and that kind of mind, you know, I think it's like part of it is a photogenic mind and part of it is also a mind of creativity. So it's like the perfect blend between the two of those things. And, just fascinated by it. I, I know that you've 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 accomplished this and achieved it. I don't know if you've felt it when you do it, but I've seen it in your work. Is is that level of understanding of the world around you and how you how you translate that from your mind to your hand and then to 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 the viewer? And for him, I think the the rate of success and understanding of the the dwarf perspective of, of reality through his perception is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like very few people are able to pull that off and he's definitely one of them. And that's why I consider him to be a master because of not only the volume of work, but it's also like his understanding of the world around him and understanding of, of developing a, an experience that's uncanny, you know, it's just like, ah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's fucking nuts. It's nuts. But yeah. yeah, I had to get the Otomo out of the way because <laughs> get that get to get that out early. <laughs> Got to get that out early because yeah, yeah. It's, well maybe it'll come back, but yeah. <laughs> we also talked to like I think we were talking about his son too at Comic-Con. It's like uh Oh, his stuff's really cool. His his son's really cool and the best part, my favorite part about following his son is like I follow his, his son on Instagram. Yeah, I think me his name too. is Taro or something like that, but yeah. my my favorite part about following him is he looks like one of Otomo's characters and like he does. that's just too funny to me. So it like, is, you know. right? Yeah, it's funny. It's like this he's like, "Look at me, dad." I'm <laughs> and his uh his posts on Instagram are really interesting. Like they're totally like um yeah, they're very interesting his his viewpoint and stuff. But man, he is I think he uses like a big pen when he illustrates and uh they look like pencil renderings or there's such a great understanding of shade and form. They're really great. He's a he's a very awesome draftsman too. It's like, damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's crazy. I, I know I know you used to do the big pen thing too and it's just the big pen thing. I did it when I was really young and I'm just like I don't know stuff like that. It's just like it just looks like tiring to me, you know. Yeah. Because you got to do so many shades and so many layers, and <laughs> I, you know, I just, I was just like, I like to work quicker than that, man. I can't do that. I, I you know, that that's going insane to me. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're you're using what like 
are you still using the brush and the nibs and stuff? I remember that moment where I was, we had met up at your studio and I, you're all, yeah, check this out. This is the brush that I use. And I'm like, yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I use it for all the hashing. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? Are you still doing that? Or is it with the nib too? It's, 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 um, yeah, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of nib work. It depends on what pieces they are lately. A lot of, um, a lot of the work I've been doing, a couple of paintings, I'm going to be working on some gallery shows. They're going to be with the brush still. Mm. Um, uh, but, but it depends on what I'm trying to express, what surface, you know, what I feel. I mean, that's all horse. That's all bullshit. You know, it's just <laughs> like, you know, if I'm, if I'm using a brush and it's not working, I'll get out the pen. You know, it's like, sure. it's, uh, I'm moody. Like I have like, I have a set of tools I use, but they're not consistent, but like I can kind of generally make them kind of look like each other. So my work doesn't look inconsistent. Like one day I'll use one brush. One day I'll use a fatter brush. One use a, one day I'll use a brush that's almost destroyed. One day I'll use a Japanese brush. You know, one day I'll use a Japanese nib. One day I'll use an English, you know, pen nib. So it's like whatever I kind of feel like for the time, like I have trouble committing to anything, you know? Yeah. It's just whatever works for the, not, not even whatever works for the piece. It's just whatever, um, feels better. Whatever's working for me for that day. Sure. So that's what it is, but it's all like pen and ink, those kind of materials. Um, I mainly use brush pens and, and other stuff for like when I'm storyboarding and stuff like that, but the fine artwork, it's, it's other stuff. I, I have a love for that medium, so I can't, you know, give it up, you know, like I can't like, why would you, it's your voice, well, it, you know, it's like, yeah, but it's just, you know, some people are like, Oh, why don't you use a brush pen or why don't you just use like a regular pen or a fountain pen or whatever, but it's not the same, all the different, I could tell you exact, I've done it for so long. I could tell you how all the different nibs work by number, like, like their line characteristics. I could tell you like how they work on different papers, like all kinds of nonsense like that. You know what I mean? Dude, I need Meaning to pick your brain. Then I come up there next. <laughs> yeah. The master it's inker. For everybody. It's sure. meaningless for everybody, but it means something to me. And the problem I'm seeing is that I need to like special order stuff all the time now, but nobody carries it. And even the brushes have been. The Da Vinci ones. Or that, is that what you're using? Um, I'm, I use Raphael's and Windsor Newton's. Windsor uh, it Newtons, depends yeah. on what I'm feeling like. They both have different characteristics. You know, they both do a different kind of line. Um, it's a sable one, right? Red sable, but there's yeah. like a ban on them. So like they're kind of getting scarce. And quite honestly, I don't expect, I expect after this is all over, I expect the quality of the brushes not to be the same. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to have to replace these at some point, you know, so, yeah. um, no. which will be fun. It'll be interesting. <laughs> But but if I had to pick one, I'd say Windsor Newton. They're probably the better brushes, and and nothing to do with the quality. It's just the line, right? They, can, they do they, a different kind of line than the Raphaels. Yeah, so. I have a I have I bought a set of of Da Vinci's. See, we're gonna get super nerdy about this because I'm just as as fascinated with the tool because the reason for me is not necessarily the tool, but there are nuances that give you a certain result and you should be aware of that. And so for me, I'm just testing a bunch of stuff and I actually just was testing a bunch of like Japanese nibs and then all these nibs that I know, um, Dave Gibbons was using, was using the Watchmen and stuff because, uh, I just kind of found some information about that and I was testing those out and then I was testing on these brushes. And at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, these guys might use this and you might, I might use exactly the same tool as you or exactly the tool's same setup as Otomo, but we're going to have completely different results because of just all these little subtleties, you know, this, the way we, we hold the, the ink, how much ink we put on there, how much pressure, 
our imagination, the style and the, the shame, the shape and form of the design of things and stuff. And, um, I just find it fascinating, you know, like, I don't know, I get super nerdy about that stuff. I'm going to try those, uh, the Windsor Newton stuff out though. I think I've heard that it holds, um, a better line longer because that's really what you want when you own these brushes. I think from what I've understood is that you want something that's going to give you a consistent result so that you're not like having sloppy art, I suppose. But that's if more, if you're going towards the technical aspect of creating something, but well, if you want to hold it, if you want to hold a nice tip on it, so it's like you know, I, I've tried the Da Vinci's. I don't care for them personally. Yeah, um, they're already falling apart on me after just like one piece. I was like, what the shit? Yeah, I mean that's why it's like the Raphaels and the Windsor Newtons are the only ones, and I've actually been trying to replace them because of this ban. I can't get anything to be on. You know, everything sold out. Is that um, they the the good thing about these brushes is they're such good quality. You could beat them up and they'll hold a point. And I mean for months too. My brushes. I'll have to replace them every few months, quite frankly, and that's just because I'm rough. If you're not rough, the thing should last you like one brush a year, maybe longer. Jeez, it's crazy. And most people aren't rough. Most people aren't rough with their tools. So it's like the only reason why I go through shit is because I just beat the hell out of it. (laughs) Yeah, I remember in your studio, you just had like all kinds of crazy tools and like brushes and like it was a very much like very much. I mean, I don't know if it's the same now, but it was very much like an artist's studio. Like you just had paint on the walls and just like yeah you know like it was just like yeah, tools everywhere and it was like it was it, it was just almost like as it, the energy from your work was also all it was in this space as well it was kind of for me it was very overwhelming because i was like wow this is like it makes a lot of sense you know um yeah it was cool like there and and, and i like to talk about more of like how you're you build your work off of moods and spontaneity because that's kind of what you're saying right like you're propelled by the spontaneous actions of just kind of what you're feeling at that moment, right? Yeah, well, I'm just kind of, um, I'm lazy. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I guess that's the way to say it. No, I, I'm just not, um, I'm not that artist that can like do like a bunch of roughs or preliminaries or thumbnails. I do a certain level of that, but not a lot of it. Um, I like to try and just like work as directly on the board as possible, try not to do transfers. I, I, I think a lot of that comes from, um, I started out when I went to college, I wasn't, had no intention of being an illustrator. I didn't know that there was such a thing as fine art or any juxtapose or any of that nonsense. Like juxtapose wasn't out back then, right? Was it? No, it was, it It was. was. Yeah. You went to San Francisco, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, um, yeah. So like, it, it was like kind of like at the cusp of like, 3d stuff and you know like soft image and so like the school i went to was only school in the country that was equipped for that you know um, luckily they didn't have a portfolio requirement you just sign the paper and you're in so that's how i started and at the time it was so new that we had no instruction the teachers knew nothing they knew about as much as we did whereas we kind of learned stuff off of each other and learn things from like books and the, I mean back then there weren't even tutorials online so it's like you really had zero and then like we would somehow hear through the grapevine somebody from ILM suggested we do this and you know so I so I started out my first couple of years of school with no structure and kind of very in a, in a very real way being on my own and with my friends and no assistance from teachers or anything so once I moved to illustration department I had a real hard time adjusting because illustration fine art is very structured in the traditional sense yeah so, absolutely is 
Yeah. So I had, I had a lot of trouble transitioning and basically the bottom line is I never developed good habits. That's really the bottom line, you know, and, and I kind of can found a way to work within my style of working, you know, which is and stuff, right? Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, in, in terms of my fine art pieces, that's just how I like to do things, you know, like even though I work in ink, I do like a lot of cover ups and stuff like that because I like to have things change and things to be fluid and very organic, but it takes a long time. Sometimes it's not a good way to work. I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, you've always been very blunt and honest and direct about that. That's always been one thing, too, you've mentioned. Um, and I still remember it, and you're, you still have the same mantra about it as well. And you all say that, oh, I'm lazy, you know, or my system, I have no system. <laughs> it's yeah. like my own system, you know. And But I think part of that is what makes you who you are, like I said. I mean, I guess everything that you do is obviously who you are, but it's these, like, little these little things, you know, like the, the intention of just going straight to the piece and giving it all your energy and then kind of allowing yourself to kind of fly through it and in, 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 to like the conventional sort where, you know, somebody will sit there and go, okay, I'm going to do like 10 thumbnails and then I'm going to pick the best thumbnail and then I'm going to do like five comps of that. And then we do like a tracing, like, you know, like there's like, there's like 40 steps until they're actually getting there. And then, then at the end of it, they have this, this piece that's kind of a turd because it has no energy and it's lacking all that intention that you first had, you know, supposedly that's the, you know, the, you know, some artists can pull it off. Even though I don't work that way, the reason why I say like how I don't work is 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 uh, is not a way I recommend because like the way, a lot of times you know when you when you, when you hear people talk that way, we're like supposedly you do this, supposedly you do that. It's a lot of a cop out. Like people don't want to do the work, you know, <laughs> because there can be a lot of spontaneity to do that kind of work, and you have people that have proven it, like the early rock rock you know Norman Rockwell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Frizzetta always did color comps, you know what I mean? Sid Mead, look at, I mean, look at what a genius Sid Mead is. And Sid Mead did all that 10 thumbnails, this, this, and that, you know what I mean? So yeah, he's a monster. The, yeah. So like, you know, I don't, it, it's not that I, it's not that I don't buy into that system. I actually think it's a better system. It's just not for me. That's, that's all there's to it, you know? Well, is there a system though? That's really the question. And I guess this, that, that means, I guess to answer that question is your destination, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah, actually in a really, in a real way, because what we're talking about right now is like my fine art paintings, my gallery paintings, and to some extent my illustrations. But the one thing where you cannot do that system is comics. And <laughs> yeah, I, you can't. Love comics. I love to work on comics, comics. You have to plan up the ass. You know, in terms of just, and it's not even the drawing. It's because like in order to get the storytelling to work, you have to go through all these steps to develop a comic, that level of thumbnails, that level of editing. So the understanding, um, setting, position, camera angle, pacing, it's a, it's one of the hardest things I've ever experienced as an artist trying to do comics. It's the master level shit. It's, it's the hard. It's the hardest thing I do, you know. And I also think part of the reason why my fine art is as free form as that as it is is I think it's a reaction to vacation <laughs> when I do do on comics in a weird way. Yeah, like yeah. when when I was doing a lot of comics a few years ago, like when I was doing uh, or even my self published comics. Whenever I finished a project, I always took like a few weeks of doing nothing but freestyling stuff, you know. And it was just in reaction to like just how methodical comics are and. 
you know, you could have like you could have your stream of consciousness comics, and there are those, and you know, Mobius has done a ton of those, and I've done some of those, and they're fun. But like in terms of like having to lay down a structure and everything, you just can't you can't skip that part. You know what I mean? And you know, because you're trying to do like you know, it's the craft of storytelling, and it's the part of comics which is overlooked quite a bit. You know what I mean? Because the storytelling is pretty shitty in most comics. <laughs> you know yeah, especially these days <laughs> you know? yeah yeah so it's it's kind of this hidden craft that nobody takes seriously yet everybody thinks they do you know yeah um, to really understand it i think i think you could say that almost that exact thing and change the word comics with movies and it's very much the same thing i, I don't think, know i think michael bay plans out quite a bit uh, <laughs> <laughs> for i mean of course he does you know he, he's yeah. he's a professional in his own right and he's just <laughs> you know like as much as everybody will clown on hit what he does like he is still doing what he's doing he's making shit tons of cash and he's successful in a certain light you know so but yeah i'm and yeah <laughs> i don't know i i mean i could talk a bit about that and you know you can compare david lynch to michael bay and we can get complete opposites and see the path and the process but um i think for me is is definitely with comics it's it's such a it's such a daunting task you you know (laughs) because like for i think i have the same backlash energy release as sounds like what you're doing is i have to go and sit and write and 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 focus and then and plan 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 and then, and then I'm like, fuck it, man. I just want to draw like a dude, you know, like just fucking yeah. all badass. And, like, and then I'm like, yeah. then 20 dudes later, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do comic again. Oh, yeah, I got I to go back to this like shit that I don't want to do. And I'm like, oh God, it's so gnarly. <laughs> One yeah. book that I recently got that I really love. Uh, I don't know if you have this, but it's, it's really, it was really awesome too, because at uh, Comic-Con, I was able to have dinner with Dave Gibbons and chat with him. And he's such a nice dude, but I found that there's this, uh, what's it at? It's called uh, Watching the Watchmen. Do you have that book? Um, is that the one that analyzes it or something like that? It's the it's this big book that it has like all his art and he breaks down like the process of how they made it and kind uh-huh. of like his early sketches. It's really awesome. I know you would really like it too. And it's just, for me, it's great to see um, because the Watchmen, I don't know if you're a fan of it. I am. I think it's a really I don't know. It's quite an accomplishment as well, and um, to you know to do work on that level, um, the discipline and the scale and the you know like all these different kind of techniques and things that he had to manage his time. He had like this thing called the I think he, he referred to it as the prison list, and it's like you know the page numbers and dates of the month, and and he was just crossing them off, basically kind of like. A prisoner you know just like this page is done then i gotta go to the next one and building out this scene and you know like just the process of creating um a body of work that big and for that long i think it was like two years or something that he had worked on it full time which is pretty fascinating for me but yeah it's no really- i mean i mean I'd get oh, it, I'm man. Sorry. <laughs> you I'm a, be sorry. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Watchmen for sure um especially um rorschach because i always thought rorschach was an interesting take on mr a and, and yes. the question you know so yes um the, my, my favorite my favorite quote about it is i saw an interview with alan moore where he's talking about how he somehow ran to steve ditko or somebody no, or didn't he he didn't 
friend of Steve Ditko. Someone was asking Ditko about, have you seen that character Rorschach? And then Dis- Ditko's response was like, oh yeah, he's like Mr. A, but he's insane, you know? So Yes, yes, yeah. Um, but I love Mr. A because May- Mr. A is a kook too, you know what I mean? It's one of Ditko's later, um, I guess for people who don't know, because we're really getting off into Obscuresville right now. Sure, it, it's Mr. good stuff though. Yeah. yeah, Mr. A is basically, after Ditko left DC, is basically the question again, except the character of the question, but it's more insane. It's basically just a guy who had a card that said, um, one card, one half's white, one half's black. And, you know, it was basically you're either good or evil. There is no gray. And it was like, you know, all that and rand objectivism, you know, or whatever that's called, you know, that stuff that Didco was into. So, yeah, it was, it was basically more militant version of the question. And somehow Rorschach was an even more militant version of Mr. A. So, this seems to be a very common um, psychological thing with comics in comic characters that are that resonate and that remain really long is is even like you can look at in 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 a very tamed way but like wolverine as a character or um you know like bruce wayne batman as a character almost but he's much more in the gray aspect he's not as harsh and stuff as rorschach but i felt i felt i I like the same thing there's this really cool documentary i bring up quite a bit i watch it every other month or so it's on todd mcfarland's called the devil you know and it's about his kind of like have you ever heard of that you watched it? is that the one where he's like drawing a like creating a gorilla cloth the character in his closet or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah that's the one yeah it's so i like i love it so much because like uh he doesn't care he's just himself and 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 it's so rare to find that these days i feel that people are so afraid of being like this celebrity on facebook and it's fucking gross and i just and for me, when I see people just being themselves and not giving a shit and having their opinion and his whole breakdown on Spawn was, it was funny and I liked it because it was like, he was just saying that, you know, fuck, if you're, if I have my own rules and if you're, if you're, if you go past this line, like you, you're, you're on the unliving, like you're beyond that. And he uses all that energy to create his own character, you know, and I think Alan might've been touching on those kind of similar insecurities or psychological things i'm not sure what it is necessarily but um it it obviously resonates with other people you know and and it's this weird kind of like for me as i study these things and and it's it's beyond just a character and all this stuff if you really get into it it's a psychological mindfuck and you start really thinking about what this person's trying to say and you start to really analyze it that's how i approach it everybody approaches these things differently obviously but i go into it a lot differently i guess but yeah that documentary is great but i was just referring to spawn as well i think todd's intent with spawn in the early days was about you know good and evil and 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 being on each side or in the middle and those just those dualities you know but the character to go back to watchmen my favorite character and it's hard to pick because there are such great characters in the watchmen but rorschach is great and even in the film i thought it was great that they captured it from the from the comic when they were when he was saying in in jail he's like you guys don't get it i'm not in here with you you're tra- you're like you're stuck in here with me and i always thought that was like probably one of the most badass lines from yeah. a comic book character like all time for me personally i was just like ah oh, it's it's so perfectly like crafted <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know, Todd's a different animal for Alan. You know, oh yeah, Alan, absolutely. Alan, Alan made his money, but Alan is, I, I, at least I feel, is genuinely trying to make a work. You know, and uh, you know, express something, tell a story, 
Yes. Um, Todd's just making a product. Oh, and, yeah. And, he's a brilliant and, and Todd product. Would admit that. Maker Todd too. would admit that, too. I don't think he would deny that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, even though, I, like, that's his passion, <clears throat> and that's awesome. And But, yeah, there's a difference in, in – in, I mean, there has to be. They're not the same person in the way that they approach art and creativity. I mean, uh, when Alan was really hungry creating all that stuff with Swamp Thing, it was – a you could you could feel these emerging artists, this person with a voice that wasn't about you know, hey, it's this guy in tights or this it's it's, it's a it's a cre it's a freak it's a it's a freak of nature it's this monster and why and 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 going past this like veneer of 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 possibilities he was digging deeper into what a possible character could be and bringing almost like a Shakespearean quality. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I could probably be, people be like, ah, but I mean that's how I look at it. I think that. He, you know, once 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 he brought that to the game, I think a lot of people were like, "Oh wow! Like we can do that with comics. We can we can express character on that level." Okay, game on. You know, and I think a lot of really great art was spawned from his uh, contribution to comics. Really, I think so. But well, him and Frank. Oh yeah, fuck you, man! You can't, you can't you can't leave Frank out of that. No, of I th- course I think not. It's, I'm a I think huge Frank Miller fan. I'm a huge Frank Miller fan. Like, well, what I'm saying is, I think it's both of them equally. And, oh, and unfortunately, 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 all the guys like Todd and and that whole crew, you know, those guys were trying to show you like the possibilities of the comic, and it's kind of like the people who followed it, all they did was take the superficial, like dopey aspects of it and none of the expression or depth of it. And that's kind of the tragedy of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like even, well, yeah, the even Jim, Al, the Jim even Lee Alan, effect or, or just like, yeah, or just all those guys, everybody, including you and me, we're all yes. guilty of, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So it's like, yeah. you know, we, we, we didn't, we didn't learn from them. We kind of took the superficial aspects of it and did some dopey thing, you know? So, <laughs> you know, but, but there's all, but you know, that's, that's a, gross generalization there's always great stuff coming out too you know what i mean totally so. but it's good to be it's good to be honest and 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 acknowledge what's really happening and and what what i think that having a really honest objective opinion of yourself and your work and those of others you know like uh i think that's what makes you better and i think that you know like we still have a very big career to to fulfill and to develop and build we still have the possibility of making a masterpiece if we want to. It's a matter of like how hard and how much we want it and how 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 far we go down that rabbit hole because it really is, you know, like look at like <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk bad, but like look at the state of like Miller or look at just look at uh, Alan Moore. I mean, the dude wanted to be a magician. He like kind of went crazy a little bit, you know, like the, the sacrifices that these guys made and maybe they've always been the kind of the same person. It's just, they, they're, they're more free to be themselves and the, more than ever, or that they've transferred into something completely different, you know? So, um, it's well, just, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't read Alan's recent stuff, but I've, I've actually heard it's good. I haven't. So, me neither. I don't know. I don't, yeah, but I've, I've heard it's stuff? good. I've read, I've read, I, I don't even remember the titles, but I've heard it's good and I've read reviews that it's actually good. Yeah. So, you Fuck know, reviews. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. But, you know, so I, supposedly Alan's doing good stuff. I just haven't gotten around to reading it because quite frankly, I have too much bullshit around the house that I have to read through first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to read through that before i start buying new shit you know i'm trying not to be a hoarder you know so (laughs) you know so like because i am curious in what he is doing Uh, it's just i got way too much nonsense all over the place so (laughs) yeah we should talk about i want to definitely talk about books and influences because i (laughs) I know that's that's something that we're both 
fond of and big uh, big into and stuff as well. Um, probably I'm probably more of a nerd. Maybe you are though. I'm not sure. I think we've talked about books, and you have some really obscure, crazy shit that I, I love. I love talking about books and just like my my buddies that are into books as well. It just it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Not just necessarily books, but content um, stuff that's not on the internet necessarily. Um, because I mean, the internet is an amazing tool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, without the internet, we wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't have be having this conversation. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic and amazing tool, but, um, I, you can't forget where the, where some of the best shit is. And it's, it's in the old media really, because it not, it hasn't all transferred over, you know, it has not, it's not all there. And, and so I love talking about books and I know that you read, you read quite a bit too, right? Not lately. <laughs> How dare you? Do you listen to audiobooks and stuff? No, I, I can't deal with audiobooks because um, I can't. I they're they're pointless because I'm working, so you can't really pay attention to them. You know? Yeah. You can't pay attention to the narrative. I listen to these days. I've been. I you know I watch documentaries. Um, mm, my I favorite recently is Bobby Fischer against the world. I think that's a brilliant documentary, and everybody I've never seen should see that. that. Bobby Fischer. Well, Bobby, yeah, Bobby Fisher's fantastic. So you should watch that. I think everybody should see that. It's a great thing. It's it's a guy who's who goes, you know, gets lost, a genius who gets lost in his own madness, you know. And I love stuff like that, you know, like <laughs> people like him. Why is that? You know, I want, <laughs> you know I, I, well, I can get into it, but it'll be too complicated. But there is <laughs> there is a reason, you know, like that's why, you know, I, I'll, I'll listen to, I'll go on YouTube, listen to interviews with the Unabomber. I'll go through a whole day of, Harlan Ellison, like you know, I like weirdo stuff. Curious you know? though. So, well, but are they? I mean, I mean, yeah, their actions and what they've done and stuff are are odd, and they're not part of the main spectrum of society. But they're there for a reason, you know. And it's interesting to study that because that's part of the spectrum, you know. I think if you dis 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 you di- you discount that stuff, I think you're missing out on a huge wealth of understanding of the world around us and what makes different people do different things, you know. I'm fascinated by the same kind of stuff too. So, but maybe yeah. we're just weird. So, which is probably maybe, the truth. I don't know, but I, I mean, I think they have good <laughs> things to say. I think there are things that Charlie Manson says that are very interesting, very relevant, much more relevant than uh, any politician or any artist or or whoever nonsense person in the media, John Stewart, whatever that garbage is. I think Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. I think people. I think people. I think anything Charlie Manson has to say has much more substance than Stephen Colbert. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, but but then again, we well, you know, it's interesting where, um, you know who who's still in the limelight, you know, and and to who and why and who's communicating with those people and 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 I always find it fascinating to understand that, um, you know, like. And that's what's funny about like how you're saying like now you're working on these big films and movies and I'm like honestly that that's nothing really you know like it's it's awesome I feel really blessed and and, and privileged and I work my ass off to to be able to do such a thing but um for me it's like popular culture is is kind of weird and kind of in a weird not to sound like a dick but it's kind of gross you know and I don't think it's <laughs> I don't think I mean maybe where I'm getting down a dark, a dark path and I don't mean to, and I'm very like, I want to make sure I'm very clear about my appreciation to be what I'm doing. And I've made myself set up to do this, but I, I'm very aware of the fact that things that are popular aren't necessarily the things that are 
most relevant, I think, you know, um, and I don't know, you know, I, that's a big conversation and it's, it's, you can't really put that in a jar and lock it up because it's, it's totally, there's so many different things that really, f that can change that perspective, I suppose, you know, cause different, they're different people and projects and all these kind of things. But, um, to go back onto the idea of being influenced by, you know, what Manson would say and, 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 and I don't know necessarily influenced, but I think just being aware of not the genius, but just that person's presence in the world, they're there for a reason, you know, like that, that, that person existed for a reason, um, just like you and I, um, but those people have a crazier voice or a crazier, I don't know, perception in the world, I suppose it's just, but it's fascinating though. Yeah. Well, their actions go off. Sometimes their perception isn't as far off as people think. Um, sure. In terms of, you know, my disdain for the popular culture, it's it's kind of all I know. So it's it's not, I, I cannot truthfully say, like, it was some conscious choice. I'm like 14 and I'm watching the MTV Music Awards. I'm like, oh my God, this is fucking horseshit. And it like opened up my mind and I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to nothing but Radiohead from this day on, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's not like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I was kind of raised mostly because my uncle and my father had like, a huge disdain for that culture. So I grew up with that disdain. <laughs> so it's all I know. Was your dad so, an artist or were your uncle artists as well? No, no. My, the, my uncle was just, um, he's just a regular blue collar working guy. And then my dad was a uh, real estate broker. So, and um, yeah, but, but it was, you know, so I, I grew up at a very young age being exposed to a lot of these philosophies. And um, so it's what I know. So it was never so a lot of this stuff doesn't bother me, you know, like I don't think it's gross. Like, you know, I just don't I just don't notice it, you know, because it's not something I ever had value in as a child or ever cared for or ever liked. It's I've I've always been kind of in my own head. And because of that, like all this outside stuff, I just whatever <laughs> you know especially now that especially the older i get i'm just like whatever <laughs> you know i'm just like i don't care it's like i'm What's not energy? participating in this i'm yeah. not participating in this so what the fuck do i care you know now i don't give a fuck what i miley cyrus is doing or whoever else you know unless it's unless it's so retarded it's funny you know what i mean if it's sure if it's that level you know what i mean so um, energy i, I, I think, think as you I, get I, older you know you just realize your own energy and then how much energy you care to give to others and things you know that's what i've noticed I mean, it's interesting to see it, just to see how media reacts. I, I found the whole reaction to that whole Jennifer Lawrence thing very, you know, very interesting, very suspicious. And, you What's know, that? it was. What's that? I don't know what that is. Oh, uh, when they leaked out all those nude pictures of Jennifer Lawrence and all those other chicks like a few months ago or whenever that was. Who's the Jennifer Lawrence? Who's that? I'm really, that's I don't know either, so. Dude, you work in these fucking things. You don't know who that is. Oh, yeah, I don't um, pay attention. No, that's that, that's that chick that's in Hunger Games. Oh yeah, the, uh, the main, the main, yeah, like a bunch of nude pictures, and then they made like a big stink out of it, and the FBI was involved and all that shit. You know what I mean? So it's like I notice stuff like that on the peripheral, and I find like reactions, and like I find the reactions and things like that, and the response is interesting, more interesting than the result, the event. So it's it's fun to see some of that to me. Like I don't take it any farther than fun. It's fun. It's interesting. It's interesting to see how manip things are manipulated because obviously things are being manipulated and um, but they're they're done in certain ways and that's one of those events recently that happened where I think things are being so I'm getting into weird conspiracy shit so I'm just gonna drop it but anyway so <laughs> like that's one of the more interesting events that I've seen recently 
And it's not because like, oh, I, you know, her tits are out. It's like every chick has her tits out these days. That's not even special. So, <laughs> I mean, so. <laughs> What's always you know. really fascinating to me is that we know what boobs look like. We know what women naked look like. And it's so funny that, I don't know, it's maybe it's it's an American thing or something. And I think it's probably worldwide. But, and I've, and I've been known for people bring this up for me because I've had I've had to deal with some stupid drama because of the ghost in the shell thing I did and how like her, her breasts were out and people were like banning the images on the internet and shit and be like, it's not safe for work. And just, I'm like, bitch, it's art. Shut them, shut your mouth. You know, like if, are you afraid of getting a boner? I mean, come on, you know, get out of, get over yourself. And for me, I, I just find it, I still find it so fascinating that we know what boobs look like. We know what a naked woman looks like, but if, if it's like, Hey, look at, it's another naked woman. It's like, oh yeah, oh, like it's just like yeah. it's it's always fascinating to me that people like uh, I don't know, just just I don't know. It's just it's funny. It's just funny shit. It's like human behavior is like it's just funny shit, really. Well, it's a minority. It's it's a minority that's speaking up though. That's why I like you know stuff like that. I don't take seriously because it's a minority that's speaking. It's that. It's that, you know, it's, it's the uh, perception of the majority, but it's really the minority, you know, that whole Fahrenheit nine, you know, four eleven thing and, and all that stuff that's come before that, you know what I mean? It's yeah. that kind of thing, you know? So it's like, it's true. It's always, you know, you hear all these, this vocal and all this yelling, but it's always a minority. It never re- represents the majority. So because of that, I always ignore things like that, you know? That's true. Um, yeah. You, but, you always but, wonder who's got that microphone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they're all a bunch of idiots, you know, on on the internet. Why are we all though? Yeah, it's a bunch of you know, it's a bunch of troublemakers, you know, and and I and I and you know, I I don't I don't get a lot of that, thank God, but I have friends that do, and um, my attitude always is like, you know, sometimes they get mad, I don't, you know, I just like let it roll off my back. Because quite honestly, when I was a snot and I was a little kid, I did shit like that too. So it's just like, of course, you know, we're getting we're getting old and cranky, and we can't take our <laughs> that's tolerate our past selves, just, yeah. Yeah, so you just kind of just so my attitude is just let it alone, let the kids have fun. You know what I mean? It's just kids <laughs> having fun. That's really what it is. Yeah. It's not like, oh my god, look at this horrible thing he did. Like all the horrible things kids say in 4chan and shit like that. Like to me, I'm just like, it's just kids having fun. I did the same thing. We all yeah. did the same thing. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's literally how 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 you communicate. You know, when you're not, I wouldn't want to say underdeveloped, but it is kind of when you're underdeveloped, you communicate in that way. You know, and it's just it's kind of how it is. <laughs> I did yeah. a lot of stupid shit as a kid, you know, and, and and it was a lot of fun. I didn't really care, you know. You know, you just want to get a rise out of the old guys, and the old guys now is us. You but know, it, it's weird. We're, like, we're not old, but in that perspective, we're old. So you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's funny how it's like almost like they're like coaxing us to remember our past selves, you know? Like, don't you remember yeah. this? <laughs> I was like driving down the road the other day, and somebody was it was blasting like really shitty music. Yeah, and uh, I taught my daughter the word janky. She's nine years old now. She'll be like, so she'll be like, that's some janky music, huh, Dad? I'm like, yeah, it's janky music. <laughs> but I was like, I was thinking to myself, you know, like I don't know, like six years ago, that is probably me. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like rolling my windows up, I'm like, uh, I got my Sarah McLaughlin album on, just fucking whistling and shit. I'm just joking. <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to admit that, man. <laughs> Yeah. I got my fucking house slippers on, my fucking silk robe. 
Oh, oh, the silk rope, man. So, so good, man. But, Dude, uh, yeah, just don't hate on the silk rub, robe. Yeah, but but also, you know, it's brats. I guess I was a brat. My friend's my friend's sixteen year old son. The kid's great. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, any any bad shit he knows is actually from he's learning from me. So like, I've kind of taken the part of like dirty uncle. But the kid's good. He doesn't he doesn't do any of the nonsense that I did. And in a weird way, I kind of dig it. I'm like, yeah, it's better. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's you know? so different, so, though. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's interesting stuff, though. But yeah. well, we went on a tangent. We were supposed to talk about books, but I, don't, I guess it's even cooler. It's, and I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna pull you all around because I just I get interested in like little things that you're saying, and I'll be like ah. But um, so you're mentioning Bobby Fischer against the world as a documentary that you recently saw. I have a couple documentaries I want to tell you about after you tell me some stuff. But what are some other ones that you're really into that you've been watching recently or um, seen? Let me think. Recently, or whenever, uh, whenever. Yeah, well, I watch Ink Master a lot when I work. So Ink Master um, is that the freaking tattoo thing? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. Is I, it? I just, I just watch. Well, first of all, I watch it while I'm working, so I'm only half paying attention to it. I just want to see how bad the tattoos are. And oh, what is the program about? What is it? It's a, it's about a bunch of people mouthing off, talking about how they're the greatest tattoo artists in the world. And it's a oh, lot geez. of like, I draw better than you. You can't draw. Blah, 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 blah. I'm a fucking diva. I'm this master tattooist. And when the tattoos come out at the end, it's like the worst shit you've ever seen. Uh. So that's what it is. And people have it for the rest of their life. I mean, I'm talking bad stuff, like just unbelievable and, and and it's great because then the next episode it's it's back to like i'm an amazing artist i draw nothing i draw the most beautiful women blah blah, blah. and then they draw like a chick with like a piggy nose you know what i mean it's like <laughs> that's what, so that's what the, so like you know i watch stuff like that um actually i don't watch a lot of tv that's probably the only tv program i watch um it's good though terms, tv sucks of, yeah i mean it, it's got some interesting stuff it could be a learning experience in itself um yes in terms of document, I'm trying to think what I've been watching lately. I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of the old Howard Stern Channel Nine show. Like nothing like interesting, nothing like mind blowing, you know. Um, except for the Bobby Fischer one. Um, Howard yeah. Howard Stern's like old like talk show thing that he was doing a long time ago. It's old show we had on Channel Nine when I was a kid, and and um, it was it's just a really bad show. But if you're if you're an old fan of his, you'll enjoy it. If you're if you're a newer fan of his, you're gonna watch and you'll be like, "What the hell is this?" You know? It's, He's like a judge you know, on one of those like singing shows now. Like, uh, yeah, it's really weird. I've I've been listening to Howard Stern for probably like fifteen years, twenty years at this point, mm. and uh, the past few years. It, it makes me really sad. Like I can't listen to him anymore, but I used to, it was a person. Yeah. Yeah. The show is very different and it's, it, it, it used to be, um, uh, it's, it used to like literally for 20 years, every morning I listened to Howard every day when I was working, <laughs> it was, it was very, it was very weird and surreal to stop doing that. You yeah. Know? Like a voice, like a voice in your head had disappeared. It's just you do it for so long for it to suddenly be gone. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> so it's like, like a kind of friend or something. Well, well, what's taken its place is I listen to the old clips of the show now, and the show's so old. There's a, I find enough old stuff to kind of like play, and you know, I listen to you know. Unfortunately, one of the sad things that's happened recently is Eric the Midget died. So that that Eric kind of the Midget is it the Beetlejuice guy? No, Eric the Midget was like the super this drunk three- guy. No, it's this three foot midget in a wheelchair, and he's such a shithead you can't feel sorry for him. <laughs> it was funny. No, it was, it was like the only part of the show I was still listening to was Eric the midget, and Eric midget like died like a couple weeks ago, so that was kind of a bummer, like for real, a bummer for me. So, <laughs> yeah. so, um, but yeah. So, I mean, in terms of books, 
Um, Howard Stern's yeah, life, uh, you know, Howard Stern's biography. <laughs> it's like you're just going off on Howard Stern. I'm like, uh, this podcast is over. <laughs> Howard Stern's a big part of my process for a real long time up until recently. So it actually is kind of relevant. Smart guy. He's incredibly good at communicating. Like He's, a, he's one of the best interviewers you'll ever sit here. Yeah. And that's no and, you know, so <laughs> he's really um, great at pushing, pulling things out of people um, without them understanding what they're doing. It, Joe Rogan kind of has it too. I've noticed it's a very, it's a, it's a dark art almost in a sense. And I think you only get that good when you have the the chance to do lots of communication. Uh, I think it just comes with time. Obviously, I, I find it fascinating when I, I listen to a really great interviewer. You might, might look at like Bar- Barbara Walters or something like that. She kind of has a certain way of doing things, but it's it's so contrived because it was she had so much pressure from you know the world watching it necessarily. Whereas Howard was just like, yeah, fuck it, I'm just going to be silly guy and have a funny conversation and and, and try to provoke people and, and and think of like really interesting things to project present to my audience. You know, it is fascinating stuff though. Definitely fascinating. I can only handle yeah. so much Howard though. So yeah, you're you're like a Howard lover. Crazy fuck. Well when it's when it's retarded. Yeah. Retarded. <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm 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 actually looking at the the stack of shit I have right here. Uh, for some reason I'm drawing a blank on movies that I know I've seen. I've recently seen Die Hard for the first time recently and that was the uh, first for one. an action movie. Huh? The first one? Yeah. And uh, for an action movie, it's actually a very well put together um, oh, movie. It's badass, uh, dude. The first Die Hard is great. It's so much yeah. fun. I'm just surprised, like how technically, like how well it was put together. Because action movies usually aren't put together well, you know. So yeah, um, it's a very Hard, special really action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of books, I just got like a. Uh, big book on Raymond Pettibon. He's been a hard, hard hero of mine for a real long time. It's one of those art heroes where it's like you go in the record store, you see like black flag record covers when you're a kid. This is even before I was buying records or knew what black flag was like the images would be kind of striking, you know? Yeah. Uh, I so remember I'm a big that fan too. of his. I've actually been listening to a lot of interviews with Raymond recently that are on YouTube. It's a very interesting guy. Um, very unique artist. What's some of the uh, things that he's mentioned that kind of stood out to you? Cause he, uh, he does do really interesting art. It's almost like, he, he understands how to draw, but he didn't care about like anatomy and stuff in, more than telling like an interesting story or, or conveying an image, you know? Well, Raymond's trying, Raymond's trying to express an idea. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Like when you're in film and comic industries, you get all wrapped up in drawing, but yeah, like he's got to be really perfect. About, yeah. But it's really good. It's about expressing ideas and per- Raven's really good at expressing ideas and I've always just kind of had a connection with his work, you know, um, he's very, he's very, very disconnected when you see him talk. Um, one of the weird things when I was watching the Minutemen documentary, this is when I was living in San Francisco, it was really a bummer because like there's, you know, there's one point where they interviewed Raymond and then Raymond's like, he's in shorts, he's in the studio it's all jacked up and then like he's like talking but he's like you know he's not very good like everybody's hearing on this podcast i'm not very good at putting sentences together <laughs> he was kind of he was kind of doing the same thing except like in a less coherent way and i remember watching that and just thinking profoundly i was like oh my god that's gonna be me you know like i saw myself <laughs> in that and like it's one of those things where it's like every once in a while you see those kind of things and it's like whatever 
But weirdly enough, the next day I got an email or something from my friend where my friend sent me a screenshot. And he's like, yo, I just saw the Minutemen documentary. And he's like, dude, that's you. And it was like that shot. And I was like, Fuck, <laughs> you know, so, um, but I got that. I got, um, I've actually been rereading the max recently, which is, which is, which is interesting to read it, to see it again. And it's how long has it been since the last time you did, you got into it real long time. And like, there's the part, the parts on the very end, um i did except for maybe the last few issues there's like a middle part that i didn't really read Mm. um because it was just too long you know too many years went by and um it's actually a really good book (laughs) yeah Um, well i mean i mean the max stuff yeah well the max the max like i always liked it but what what i mean by that i didn't mean i mean it's a good book but what i mean is like it has some really i think uh exceptional profound parts to it that unfortunately will never be recognized because it's part of the image comics crew it was actually a lot more independent and a lot more alternative um and i'm talking about the middle issues than anything we see coming out of the small press right now you know the supposed independent scene like they're not that independent you know and it's just um especially like he did this one story um i read recently actually the origin of mr gone that i thought was fantastic and i was Mm -hmm. just like wow and i was and then i was and then i was thinking i was like wow nobody sees saw this <laughs> but i'm just like it's really good you know it's kind of like it's kind of like bill sinkevich's stray toasters like that's i one have of, that book I, I haven't gotten a chance to go through it though it's it's one of my f- most favorite things forever and it's one of my biggest inspirations stray toasters and nobody knows stray toasters and one of the things that my, myself and, and sam keith connected on is un- unknowingly one of Sam's favorite things in the world is stray toasters. And like, we have this mutual ambition that we came up independently that to, to come up something as mind blowing for, for us that stray toasters was, because we love stray toasters so much, you know? Yeah. That's one of the things we kind of bonded on, you know? So, um, but yeah, so I got stuff like that, you know, I mean, I've been reading, I've been kind of rereading a lot of stuff, actually. I've been like kind of in a weird studying mode and like revisiting stuff that I like. So I'm rereading some Burroughs stuff. Um, I'm also reading like stuff though. It's the thing, you know, you like, you can go 10 years without reading something, come back to it. And it's like, as if it's new because you're a new person and it's influences on you or if, you know, it will change and you'll go, Oh, like I didn't see that. I have to, I don't know if that's how you're witnessing it, but I have that I've been going through the same kind of thing where I'll revisit something from my past that I haven't checked out for five, 10, seven years. And then I'm like, wow, like I'm looking at this completely different. I have a completely different viewpoint on life and everything in general. And that's one thing I really love about really great work is, is it'll stand the test of time. And it usually does that because it's able to not be so heavy handed as one thing, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I've actually always had the habit of revisiting stuff, though. So it's not that. So it's not, it's not like I'm revisiting it from so long ago, generally, Mm. you know what I mean? So, um, but, but no, it is different. I mean, that's why, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's like that, it's that thing where it's just, you revisit it because you like it and you know, you like it. And it's just, it's just, it's just an aspect of study and seeing like how, um, what you can get out of it and what you can learn from it, you know, it's just perception. You go through it through repetition. You notice different things. Um, you kind of analyze the structure differently, which is not something you do intentionally. It's kind of automatic, you know, um, you go through things like there's this one artist. I recently got his books and 
Um, I love him as an artist and I, it's kind of funny. I've always kind of disagreed with the storytelling and I looked at it again and I was like, wow, I still disagree with your storytelling, mm. but it's like one of my favorite artists ever, you know? And who's that? It's kind of, I won't say, but anyways, <laughs> because like this, this is a legendary <laughs> artist, but like I'll still have like, well, it's Mobius. Like there's certain things he does in his storytelling that I just don't agree with. And you know, it's, 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 and I've always kind of felt that way, you know? Um, you know, so it's just stuff like he that. He makes work. I feel like he he makes work for his own amusement. That's how I felt. I br- I've brought up a recent thing that I've found out about him. I brought it up a couple times in the podcast. But the one thing I love is is reading an interview. I was I was dealing with because with the Lost Boy thing, I was dealing with like all this like fuck, this sucks, and I'm having a hard time like just crushing my head against trying to figure out how to make this thing special and my own thing and. And I was reading an interview um, from his parable thing, I think, uh, the Silver Surfer thing that he did with Stan. And oh, at yeah. the end of it, he was uh, it was just really humbling because it was later in his career. He was already accomplished, established. He was like a, a god, a rock star in that, in that field. And he was saying how difficult, how painful it was. It was one of his most difficult pieces to do was was the Silver Surfer thing. And all this these challenges that he was having um, – by creating it, but I, I think part of me, I really love that. That's, that's one of my favorites of his. I, I love a lot of his stuff, and and for totally different reasons. You know, like sometimes it's just purely like visual porn. Sometimes it's just like, oh, that's a really great way of conveying that shot, or it's very interesting. You know, what are some of the things that like resonate with you with Mobius's stuff? Because it's good. I think it's important to critique and understand and analyze it. It's it's just your opinion, you know. So. But yeah, all, well, you're all, I mean, dude, I can't, I can't. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you got to recognize what the project is. My favorite of his is always going to be um, uh, the detour. I love the detour, and the detour is something I saw when I was a very young kid. Mm-hmm. And um, the the detour, it was just something that instantly grabbed me. I was like probably like ten or eleven years old. Um, that you know, but what what happened with just on a quick sidetrack when I. I was very, very young, 10 years old. You know, I, I had Asian mother. It's summertime, you know, throw you to the library, get some books and do something productive. And I lived in a small town, but somehow there was somebody that donated a lot of high-end comic books. So before I was exposed to like John Romita, uh, I don't know, John Buscema and all that, all that stuff, uh, you know, Jack Kirby was there. There was some Buscema actually, but like before I was uh, ex- exposed to the mainstream comics, I was actually exposed to Mobius, Iniki Bilal, uh, Crumb, and all that, like 10 or 11 years old, and you can't even make heads or tails of it. And, you know, The Dark Knight Returns is one of the first graphic novels uh, I've ever read. So good. Uh, but, um, but anyway, so The Detour was one of those things I saw as a kid that instantly grabbed me. And so, and I still love the detour and, and I also love airtight garage. I think they're fantastic. I think airtight garage is a masterpiece. It's, it's, it's an example of like the stream of consciousness comics that it just works. It's, it's like a David Lynch movie. It's so dense. Nobody knows what it means. You'll never know what it means, but it works, you know, but it's speaking to you, you know? Yeah. But it speaks to you every time and it tells you something in a different voice. That's what, yeah, that's what it is for me too. And I feel like, yeah, you're hitting it perfectly with, connecting mobius to a, like a lynch thing where yeah the intentions yeah. are there but they're they're not they're not in the format of like hey i'm stan lee i'm gonna like amuse you for 30 sec 30 minutes or something it, it's more like you're gonna come back to this as an adult and you're you're it's gonna tell you something completely different 
and it's going to speak to you in a different way, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, probably the most moving thing artistically I've seen in the past few years was Baron story had a show about suicide. Um, a couple, I was it a couple years ago or was it last year in San Jose, something like that. And I thought it was a beautiful show. I thought it was one of the best shows Baron ever put up. And it was really, it's, it's, you know, a lot of times you go to art shows and, you know, you always enjoy the art shows, you enjoy the artwork, it's your favorite artist. Um, but that show was just very moving to me, really communicated to me. And it was just a spectacular example of what Baron can do, you know, and, you know, it's stuff like that that gets me really kind of charged up, you know. It's good. I, I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned it early in our conversation where I was saying how when I first found your work, there was like this nostalgic kick. There was like a voice that connected. In, and I think you just said it even with like when you first had stumbled upon like Mobius's stuff uh, where and, and maybe like that last show that you were talking about is is that. For me, and I'm not sure if it's the same for you, but when I when I see another artist doing something, um, I I'll just connect with it in a weird way where it's almost as if we're speaking the same language, but we don't know one another, but we're speaking the same language. Um, and sometimes it's a hundred percent, sometimes it's five percent, whatever. But there, but the connection um, can be really strong, and and I think. Um, it's hard. I'm, it's a very loose concept that I have in my mind, but it's very much there. It's very true, and I think it's very consistent with people's likes and their interests in, in things. And what makes a really great, successful, timeless artist is usually that um, resonance and that connection with their audience, and it usually comes from that. Um, yeah. That's. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, it's just a very rough theory of mine, and I'm, a, I'm continually studying it internally and outside like people's influences on myself and my intentions and what makes great art and all that kind of stuff. But, um, it's always like, it's almost like, like, it's like a friend, you know, like you, you, like you're seeing a friend that you've, you didn't know that you had, but once you see it, you're like, Oh, like, yeah, I get this. You know, it's like miniature. (laughs) I understand it. You know, like this, there's as a human, we, you know, (laughs) We're, we're, we use this language and it's very tr- it's very much just like a one percentage of the spectrum of our communication and I think that when you I think that like you know moving pictures or comics or art um, conveying images from our mind or imagination that's another whole spectrum of communication and um, yeah it's a powerful one you know when you don't just look at the surface level stuff like the bullshit that i draw when you like actually look at masterwork you know like you look at really great fantastic artists who are actually having something to say and can commit to it uh, wholeheartedly you get some really great things but yeah I, I think that every artist you know we talk about mobius and some stuff that you might not be a total fan of i think that it's totally that's part of their that's a part of the path you know like i don't there's not one artist that I know that just makes perfect work for me, you know, like there's always, well, I'll bring up like Holy Terror with Frank Miller, you know, like, you know, if you look at the difference between his body of work and the changes and the significant, like you go from Ronin to like Dark Knight and then, you know, even his writing stuff with like Darrow and stuff and then all the way to like Holy Terror and whatever he's doing now. And even if, even just a spectrum of Sin City, you know, like his, his evolution and, and, evol- and all these different things and styles that he was working with, you know, it's fascinating stuff. It really is fascinating. Yeah. yeah Holy like- terror. Holy terror has some good splash pages, man. 
Yes, he he's, he he, he, did, he's, he's, he so holy, holy terror has some nice work in it, man. <laughs> he well, yeah. Frank Miller, I think, is 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 probably one of the the best at making splash pages, from my opinion, one of the best, at least. Just to convey the the energy and the amount of understanding of how far to push reality before it breaks, but just perfect enough to make an iconic image. The first, yeah. the first bit of Sin City for me it, visually is a masterpiece. Uh, it's just a poetic masterpiece of really amazing art. For me, it is. Uh, it's just graphically, it's just so powerful. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. I can go on and on about that crap. But yeah, I know <laughs> Holy Terror does. It's really interesting. And I can, you can really tell it's a guy who's really putting a lot of energy and emotion. Uh, he's obviously a New Yorker. You know, he's dealing with some pent-up uh emotions you know and he's he's using the language that he's been using for so long to create that and yeah he likes whores huh every frank miller frank miller likes whores yeah that's basically what can be learned from frank miller books he likes whores (laughs) um, but uh yeah no it's yeah he's yeah did you see the recent pictures of him from comic-con uh no I don't I don't really keep I I didn't even see Comic Con this year I walked around like for half a day and that was it so I said <laughs> hi to a couple people so I'm not I'm not much of a convention person like I I don't really have much interest in it other than looking at original artwork but beyond that yeah that's my favorite part is the original artwork you go to you 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 participate in a lot of the conventions and stuff too huh not so much anymore I go I go with zero friends um if zero friends doesn't go I generally don't go um zero I'm friends kind of, for people that don't know can you explain it to them what it is. Oh, Zero Friends is a uh, t-shirt, uh, apparel, and art company. Our fine art prints, art shows, across the board. It's uh, it's owned. Uh, it's it's a company where the two artists are Alex Party and Dave Korea, and um, they do really well. And you know, I've I've known these guys for a real long time. So basically, they're really nice, and they let me tag along to events. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all it is, and they let me put up a couple of things to sell. You know, they're good guys. Yeah, they are that's, nice dudes. I've met them. I think I think I've met Alex a couple of years ago at a convention. He's a nice guy. Oh no, I mean, and fantastic artists too. Man. Yes, you know what I mean, I met, like I said, I met both of them a long time ago. Dave just had a solo show that I thought was fantastic up in San Francisco, and. And Alex just always has fantastic stuff, man. He still has like this this giant painting in, in the office that I love. I hope to own one day. It's, t- <laughs> it's titled West Coast Avengers. He knows which one it is. And that's the that's the painting. I'm just like, that's the one, you know. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they both do great work and I respect them quite a bit. And I'm lucky enough that they let me hang out, you know? So how did you guys how, how did you guys meet was it just you guys have went and saw your each other's work and then connected off of that or that's kind of that's kind of what it was man you know what i mean um that was, i met alex back in the days when we were doing ape uh the small press expo in san francisco like mm-hmm. a way long time ago when it was still like photocopied stuff and all that like i was literally putting stuff on the face of a photocopy machine and and so was he your, your yeah. scrapbooks and stuff right yeah are your um, then, sketchbooks so, i mean yeah, so I met I met him at one of the first one of those I did, and then I met Dave maybe like a year later, you know, through Alex or just through the network. Through of people? Alex, okay. Through Alex, yeah, yeah, through Alex. So we're we're you know, uh, we're not much a, um, well, at least I'm not much of a networking person. So I kind of just hang out. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're very nonchalant. Yeah, I kind of just stay in the corner and disappear for a while, and every once in a while, like I'll I'll, I'll 
kind of operate <laughs> and go back to go back to my corner and, and and think about my cat or something so yeah your cat man you're big you're you still have what's her name lana or something like that yeah uh, it's luna luna that's a- it <laughs> you're all dude don't disrespect my cat like that yeah yeah you're, so you and this is the same cat from way back when or is like a new cat she's like four years old so okay. it's a it's the first pet I've had, so um, but she's outside of hamsters and all that stuff. So, but she's good. She doesn't she doesn't respect what I do at all. She walks all over it and jumps in my lap while I'm trying to work. And if she's in my lap, I just try and maneuver around her so I could paint, kind of up my paintings a little bit. But I can't, you know. She goes takes a nap. I can't wake her, wake her, you know. <laughs> yeah, pets are great though. They're such a great distraction. Yeah, we have, we so have a little dog. A big, I love him. That's cool. It <laughs> yeah, is. Dogs, it is. Dogs are too much. Dogs are too much work for me. But you got to walk them and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, you got to give him a lot of attention. <laughs> he's like the baby in the house, so he's constantly getting like all this attention. Like if I don't pay attention for, to him for about an hour, he'll he'll just like, dude, come on, what's the deal here? Like, pet yeah. me or just do something because like I need this. <laughs> and there's like when I'm really trying to concentrate, I'm like, dude, ah oh, man. <laughs> but it's yeah. a good distraction though. Pets are great. I think I think I think it's really good for people to have pets, especially people like us who can kind of be self-involving. You know, it allows us to have a break from ourselves. I suppose. You know. Yeah, my cat's sick of my shit, man. So <laughs> cats are very particular, though. They they have such an interesting uh, connection with humans and our connection with that type of animal. Like I love dogs because like there's so much fun. And yeah. they're like, I, I, I told my wife when we first got our dog, I said, finally, somebody, I come home and there's always somebody there that's happy I'm home, you know? It was like it was a funny joke. We'd always talk shit and stuff. It, it's so true, though, because I come home, he's just like, I've never seen you. I haven't seen you in like three years. Oh, my God. He's like a very excited friend that you've known since your childhood. <laughs> and every yeah. time you come home, you're just like, ah. <laughs> that energy is just like, Oh man, how could I be mad? You know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, maybe I should get a maybe I should get a dog. Man. You Shit. should. It's like a like one of the best um, mood changers. <laughs> yeah. It's just so much fun, but yeah, animals are great. But um, and we were, I, I was gonna tell you some documentaries that um just to see if you've if you've seen them. I'm sure you have. There's a couple that I always refer to people as. One of one of them is uh is um freaking uh the imposter have you seen that one it's no, like I've never a, heard of that. it's a documentary slash film kind of like it's a contrast between the two of them it's fucking awesome it's really amazing it's really well done i would i would check that out if you haven't seen that yet i don't know if it's on netflix or anything i don't know if you use that as a mode of watching things or itunes or whatever but i know it's on all those channels but it's really awesome uh the imposter um king of kong have you watched that oh yeah that's, that's funny as hell <laughs> it's so good it's i don't know how much of a documentary that is I, it's, but it's um, so persuasive right you know it's just it's just funny <laughs> it is it's hilarious but it's just it reminds me of like how weird we are and how uh, i was watching one today that if a friend of mine that I do jujitsu with, my coach, he's really into this game called Smash Brothers, I guess. Yeah, that's the new one. Yeah, the, it's like this it's like this four hour long documentary. I just I watched like three or four episodes of it while I was drawing and it was really funny because it just kept reminding me of 
um, you know, I was, I was talking because I do jujitsu a lot and where I was talking about how silly it is to just be so fascinated about something. And it's so human to do that, to like, just go further and further and further down this rabbit hole of habit and habitual nature, habitual repetition, you know, and, and, and slowly getting better at things. And, and I was just funny watching these things on video games because I could be I could care less really about the video game but it's more of like a study of human nature and I was just like wow I'm I probably sound exactly the same as these gamer nerds but I'm like on art you know and it's it's just it's like no matter what it is we all kind of have that most people have that similarity and how intense you take that thing is how gnarly you get with it I don't know but it was that was an interesting thing I was watching that today um there's also um, man, I've seen a couple of good, really good ones recently because I love documentaries. I actually love them more than films. They actually inspire me while I'm writing and stuff. Because um, they're because they're you can't you can't write that you know because you can't write like nobody can really write really great true life because it's it's too spontaneous spontaneous like it's just too too abstract you know for people to really put in there. It's uh, but um I don't know. I had something in mind, but I can't think of it. But yeah, I would definitely check out the Imposter. It's I've recommended it to so many people, and it's just a, it's probably one of those like really special recent pieces of art that's just fa- fascinating the way that they they put it all together and stuff. So and it's not necessarily a documentary; it's like a a, a mix between the two. Okay, I mean, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll look that up. I was I was watching something that was kind of interesting that kind of wasn't but it was about some guy in the 30s that was crazy and he just wrote journals about some big story that was dealing with his that was a metaphor for his childhood abuse and he's basically tracing drawings of like the morton salt girl and putting a dick on her and stuff like that it's kind of <laughs> rad <laughs> i can't remember what it's called Sounds interesting. <laughs> it's that's cool. a documentary too oh yeah no this, and this is real too <laughs> it was rad but it, it got boring towards the end but it was interesting so What's about what about some recent films that you've seen that you enjoyed? Is there anything that's kind of mainstream or current that you've seen that you've enjoyed, or, or is there or is it more or less like you rewatch older films? Because I've I've been the I'm in the path of where I just if I want to watch a good film I'll just go back to a classic film or watch something that is a classic film that I haven't watched before, and that's because there's so much film you know there's so many great movies out there you couldn't even watch them all now if you tried you know. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Something new. Oh, I like um, Transformers. Just on a just, no, uh, just on a pure <laughs> enjoyment level. Mm. I'm just like a a pure and um, just uh, watch it. You know, it's a good movie while I'm working. Is I love Dread. Dread was great. The recent Dread. Yeah, for a dopey action movie, I love that movie. Um, it does have that. It, it. I think they pulled it off. I really think that they pulled off that that what it was supposed to be. You know. It, it's just it's just it's what you want an action movie to be dopey and just funny and just brutal you know i mean you want dread to be like that you want him to say i am the law and all that stuff so yeah. it's just fun you have a few beers you know or generally like i said that's a working movie um recently i've been watching a lot of tex avery cartoons um a lot of fleischer stuff uh but i haven't been watching a whole lot of films i recently watched a better tomorrow one again because i love that film uh touchy evil um the third man watching i've been really kind of into film noirs lately again i've always been into film noirs kind of been into it watching reruns of the old star trek you know the shatner one um the good one <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so stuff like that, you know. Uh, like I said, nothing stands out. I haven't been watching a whole lot, a lot of TV or a lot of movies lately. So, and it's just uh, been just you a just lot been of focusing stuff. on work and nothing else, just music. Yeah, and and, and a lot of stuff I've been playing has been stuff I'm playing while I'm working. And you know, I mean, I, I enjoyed. I guess I enjoyed the anime uh, Yamato Twenty One Ninety Nine, and that's a remake of the old Star Blazers thing, and it was actually pretty good for a remake, which was surprising. What was it again? Uh, it's called it's 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 this is just old shit. So don't even worry about that. So like I was watching tell that. Tell me, I want to watch it because I love. It's a big. It's a base. Ba- it's a big battleship that flies through space and fights bad guys with blue skin. So it was it cool. Sounds like it's like <laughs> space. Uh, I just bought one that I haven't seen yet. It's an older one. It's like space cobra or something like that. Space adventure cobra or something. Oh, you're talking about cobra. Cobra's real old. Man. Super old. Yeah. So what's yeah, what's yeah. this thing you're talking about? Yamato. Yeah, that's the Japanese name. In the U.S., the old show is called Star Blazers, and that was like late '70s, early '80s. And it's a it's a big battleship that flies through space and fights the Gamelons. So anyway, oh, they recently this. remade that. You probably have. So they recently remade it, and that was pretty good, which was surprising because usually remakes suck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just just uh, you ever watched Cyber City like Oedo? You ever watched that? What is it? You ever seen Cyber City Oedo? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. It's like I don't one know. of Kawajiri's films. You know who Kawajiri is? The guy that made, directed uh, Ninja Scroll and um, Oh, I gave, up, I gave up on him because he can't make a good film anymore. <laughs> well, what a, <laughs> are you talking about? Are you talking bad on Ninja Scroll, sir? Are you talking bad on Ninja Scroll? Ninja, Ninja Scroll is good, but try naming stuff beyond that. <laughs> okay, of course. Well, anything beyond that, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Ninja Scroll is great, though. I thought that Ninja Scroll was like it was it was it was a total it was completely japanese like in every sense and it was just so awesome like it's just such a great tale you know all the different villains and the the way that they they uh interacted with the main uh action or the main the main dude and stuff i just i don't know it was just and it's also just kind of groundbreaking of how they created minimal amounts of cell animation but just tons of action the pacing was great too damn that's a good that's such a good film or anime i love watching that i, I try to watch that like every once in a while or, or vampire hunter d it was pretty rad you didn't like that i never liked that even when it came out <laughs> the bloodlust one little, yeah it was a little too stiff for me man it did um, have some stiff scenes for sure i think it's because that that you know that what made um jubei from ninja scroll so such a fun character to watch because he was kind of he was he had this amazing potential but he didn't care you know in in and yeah. yeah. that made him very human whereas uh i think the bloodlust the the the, van, the main dude the i don't forget what they call the the what he is he's like a half human half vampire or whatever but his character was so stoic um and he was like yes my name is blah 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 and and i think that's that was a it was an issue i think as 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 far as it was like a caricature of of something whereas jubei was kind of human and it made it even more crazy cuz he was a human versing these like crazy supernatural creatures and that's what the the, the adventure of that journey was just so fascinating and so much fun and so crazy but the art, though, man, the art and the style of the animation is just fucking fascinating, man. It's so beautiful and so well done. And, and I like also, I don't know if you're into Amano's work, um, which is Yoshitaki or something. I can't remember his name. Who? Um, looking at it right now. Yoshitaka Amano. 
What does he do? He is. Uh, I think he. I think he designed the characters and a lot of. He does a really interesting art. Like, um, uh, I don't know. He's like an illustrator, painter kind of guy, and he. In a lot of his work, uh, influenced like the character and the design and stuff of Vampire Hunter D. And I think he might even be the creator of it too. But um, his style is kind of like Torada. Uh, I don't know if you know. You know who Torada's stuff is, right? Yeah, I know Torada. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, um, it's kind of like that, but. Trot is kind of crazy, like it's almost like that Kim Jong Ji guy. I don't know, you know yeah, that yeah. guy too. Uh, there, I think he's kind of like that, but he's more painterly and maybe I don't know. You should check it out, though. I'm sure you've seen his work before, um, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah, possibly. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I was never interested enough in Vampire Hunter D enough to follow up on it. So, <laughs> um, what's yeah, what's so. some of your favorite animes then? Well, animes. Um, Bubblegum. Uh, <laughs> Bubblegum was like it had like some cool flashy mecha scenes, but it's a horrible show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so it's one of those shows I would suffer through it for like the two seconds of like oh that cool robot, and then you have to watch the show, and you're like fuck this show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like Appleseed. <laughs> Appleseed such a piece. Of, oh, and they hit now. Now we're just slamming shit. But anyway, it's okay. Um, it's... I like I like I'm a big Evangelion fan. Um, I like Evangelion a lot so many uh, of my friends love that i have never watched it i really should though i i like it I, I from my understanding is a lot of people who haven't seen it that try to watch it now don't care for it sometimes yeah. which is fine because they like naruto and that's a piece of crap so <laughs> um but i never uh, watched that either yeah i'm super um, particular about my stuff though yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I like Akira. I like the Vangelion series. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that I really enjoy. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank. There's like stuff I'll watch that I'll like visually, but I won't care for the show. Sure. But sometimes we just have cool animations. I like the original Macross, you know, Robotech. Um, you know, Star Blazers is actually like a really big deal for me. That's why I was surprised I like the remake. Um, you, you like know, Ghost Ma- in the Shell? Mad Zinger, Giant Robo. No, I hate Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell was too contrived. That's why I never cared for it. And how so? It's basically ripoffs of every William Gibson cyberpunk book that ever came out. <laughs> so if you if you read the William Gibson stuff, there wasn't anything in Ghost in the Shell presented that was interesting, at least to me. Plus, because William did it better too. So but you 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 couldn't get past that just to appreciate the crafts of the art in it as well and the pacing and the mood and tone. It's just no. Because, no, really? So once it's something that you feel like has already been done, it's no matter what it is, it just feels like it's a, like, um, a it had nice off. backgrounds. It had nice backgrounds. The character uh, animation is very stiff, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. It's, it's oh, the character. It's, animation. A of, it was a lot of, it was a lot of held frames and a lot of like just mouth animation. Yeah. So, um, it, it did. So it didn't interest me visually. The backgrounds were good though. Backgrounds are amazing. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm serious. The backgrounds are amazing in that. No, that of course, the backgrounds are fascinating. I have a my friend Joe. He uh, he has some crazy, or he had some really crazy um, old uh, Kira backgrounds, like the paintings. Actually, like the actual backgrounds, you know, the, yeah. and then all the cells that go on it. And I've damn, actually dude. seen some of those. Dude, what the heck? Cool. Yeah, I've I've seen some Akira backgrounds, so it's actually I I've, I saw that whole pan where like he jumps on you know he jumps on the bike uh, in the stadium and he slides and he hits the wall and then like there's that force field that like protects him from the rocks that are falling. I saw yeah. that whole pan shot. So. What the hell, <laughs> <That's fun>. man? <laughs> they're not, they're, they're pretty 
small and they're like all these these little gouache paintings tons of yeah epic epic gouache work though but yeah of course yeah the stuff for ghost in a shell has got amazing mood for me i think that it's it's like the matrix you know like the matrix is so you're you're saying that william william gibson's um work and then he gets inspired by something else and blah, blah blah and it goes down the chain of wherever it came from and then that influences uh, everybody that was working on Ghost in the Shell and then building that out. And then the influence of that goes to like the Wachowski brothers, for example. And then they will take their own rendition of it. And even though I know that there's certain scenes and moods of these things, I'm so in love with these things that I just love to watch more of it, I suppose. And it's really interesting to see things translated into film, into anime, into, into manga, into comics, into art and stuff and for me i mean i don't know i think that's maybe where we differ in our opinions of things i think is that that it's okay that it's a derivative as long as i think it as long as it's taking it to a different place i suppose you know but but that's the thing ghost nichelle doesn't how dare you <laughs> it doesn't it's the same story it's a which it's story just, is it, it, it it's, which story is it from then oh which it's it's, it's, a, it's a composite of a bunch of them neuromancer count zero sure uh, um, giant mnemonic, all that stuff, and and you know it's it's. I want to remake it's, that film. It's as simple. It's as simple as um, Neuromancer is better. It's as simple. It's, it's a, a really simple hard film to make, though. It's as simple as like I just I just think they're they're better versions. It's as simple as that. Chris Cunningham was actually I think he was directing Neuromancer, and I think he from what I heard, and I, this is just all word of mouth. I don't know if it's true, but I heard that he had. Um, filmed it almost did most of the film or at least half of it and then he edited it down and cut it down to what he wanted it to be it was only like 11 minutes for and he went i think he went kind of crazy trying to make it and he just i mean this is like i said this is all hearsay i've heard it from people but um yeah he, he was geared to, to do it and i thought that was interesting i think um i think vincenzo the guy who did um ah, man why am i drawing a blank here he did uh, splice i think he's directing it now Neuromancer, but I think that's a difficult. I think that's a difficult story to possibly bring to film. And the reason why I say it is that people aren't going to realize that aren't like you and I who are aware of it and its presence in popular culture are going to think, oh, this is just like The Matrix or blah blah. blah. And I think that a lot of these films, like Philip K. Dick's stories, basically, are, it's there's so many of these things that have already been done. People have ripped off or not ripped off, and just used to to in their own projects it's hard to, for it to be unique and new on its own spectrum you know well neuromancer the technology never existed and never came into existence so that's kind of the problem with neuromancer trying to adapt neuromancer is you can't adapt it because the technology is not what that book is the, the technology that exists today which is what you would have to build the movie around is not a part of that book that's yeah. the, that's the that's the problem with neuromancer it's like you know people with icebreaker decks and stuff like that people aren't going to want you to come in people don't want to go to a movie and then goes like i'm going to get out my new version of my icebreaker deck and like hook this up and everybody's gonna be like, what the fuck's an icebreaker deck so they're <laughs> gonna they're gonna put up today they're gonna have like a laptop you know what i mean and yeah. that takes away some of the flavor of the film because the icebreakers are very specific you know they had representations and like the way people represent cyberspace now it's like you know it's like Second Life. It's like wow. It's like oh, I'm this character, or it's the Matrix, where it's like very literal. Yeah. And in and in, in, in those books, cyberspace was represented um, 
hope, I hope I'm not wrong on this. You know, essentially like AI, the most complex structure in cyberspace was a big white cube. Now, would anybody represent cyberspace that way uh, today? No. So that's what I mean. You can't get the you can't get the flavor of the book. Yeah, but that's not even the where it's going. You know what sure. I mean? It, it doesn't yeah. even relate to today. So, and that's a prime on, example on, on of a medium changing. Level. Yeah, it's a prime example of of how different books are from film and how interpretations sometimes don't necessarily work and certain things shouldn't be adapted to to uh, film. You know, like the common thing we've I've heard so many times is like Akira, for example. Like how many times they're trying to make it and. And how they just shouldn't—they shouldn't make it because you, they're always going to live in the shadow of the masterpiece, you know. And unless it's a, unless it, the director is 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 on its is you know, and, and I just really don't think it's possible to be successful. I don't mean to be a dick about it. I think it's awesome that people are trying. I think it's cool, but it's a prime example. And, and the same thing that you're talking about with uh, Gibson's Neuromancer and stuff too is is. Um, taking these things, these abstract ideas or these tangible objects and ideas and concepts from this fantasyful uh, imagination and trying to put them into this plausible thing in this medium of film and telling a story is completely different. My friend Anthony and I were analyzing Gone Girl the other day for about an hour or so because I had actually listened to the audiobook which is a lot of fun. It was crazy and it's ridiculous. And it was had such a, <laughs> there's some really interesting moments. It's, I don't know if you've seen Fincher's new film. Have you seen it? No, I just heard about it actually. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I won't say anything beyond it, but it was just interesting. He hadn't, my friend Anthony hadn't seen or hadn't listened to the book and I had purged my, like I just kind of like just binged on it and I watched a ton of it. I mean, I listened to it, the 16 hours of audiobook for in like four days or something. So I was like, you know how you get in a book and you're just, you kind of live it, you know what I mean? And so I'll be honest, I've never listened to audio books. So I don't know. <laughs> you've never listened to one audio book ever? No, I tried listening to five minutes of one and I turned it off. Hmm. You know, so I, I would think that you might like uh, World War Z. That's always a book that I tell people to get on if they haven't checked out audiobooks because it's so well done. It has like even like Henry Rollins does like a vo- he does like voice in it as well. They have like they hire really great actors and well, they have people act. They don't read it. Yeah, like they they read it in in a way with accent and stuff. It's it's pretty awesome, man. It's pretty really? freaking <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and it's it's about zombies. I mean, dude, who doesn't like zombies? It's like well, zombies. I saw the movie. So, but apparently the movie. Oh, the movies. Up. What the hell is that? You could call that like Bambi. It would have been as as close to what the book is. It makes no sense. It has no connection, correlation at all. Like none at all. I mean, the only thing I guess that it has is is that there's zombies, but. I don't even know why they called that World War Z. It was really confusing for me because the audiobook, the book itself is 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 a fucking ton of fun. It's really great. I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's really kind of, you know, it's like it's like memoirs of people that survived the the zombie apocalypse, World War Z, and it's like you know, ten years later or whatever, and this guy's doing a paper on it, and he's going around and and getting interviews from all these different people who survived it, and the way that he wrote it. I think his name's Max Brooks, I think. But um, the way that he constructed the novel was really, it was a lot of fun. It's really crazy. But the audiobook, though, is just, it's, fanat- it's been fantastic. I, I, can't, I can't express how much I love it. It's, it's just one of those gems. And if you ever want to try and get into an audiobook, that would be the one I would highly recommend because it's just the production level is so, f- so wonderful, you know? But, yeah. 
Oh, I had no idea. I thought they just read the book. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, reading the—I mean, obviously, reading the book is amazing. But like, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I mean, I guess we have we differ in that. Where I no, no. I, I what I what I meant was I thought on an audiobook they just read the book. I didn't know they have like voices and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I mean <laughs> for the most part they do, but I think for World War Z is because he's interviewing people from all around the world. You'll have yeah. like a dude from China and then a dude from Japan, and then like a German dude and like a, a scientist from Belgium or like, um, you know, a, an American police officer. And, and like they'll have voice talents from like Henry Rollins and he'll he'll explain things out like he's, you know, he'll narrate it in the form of character. And it's 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 really great. It's wonderful. It's like it's like basically watching a show without not without the visuals, basically, you know, so. Oh, um, sounds interesting. It is cool. It's very cool. It's just really well done, and yeah, it's just one of those pieces of media that that I really enjoy. Um, going back to, so you're currently working on stuff for your. Is it a solo show that you're doing? No, um, just just a couple of group shows. I owe a couple of pieces to uh, one in San Francisco, one in Chicago. Um, I feel like there's something I'm forgetting, but who knows. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I have an art book. I'm also working on pieces for an art book, which has been kind of delayed because I'm supposed to start a comic book project soon, which will take up all of my time. So the art book was supposed to be done in December, so it would be ready in the spring. Uh, looks like it's going to be pushed back some, which is fine. Is it your own uh, personal bit art of a bummer. book? Yeah, and oh, it's, cool. it's, it's a little bit of a bummer because I really wanted that to be the next thing to come out, but it's going to be this comic first. Um, so it's that, that's going to be cool because I'm, I've really been wanting to, go, uh, come back to comics, mm. you know, because like I've been, I've been so involved in all this other stuff and I love, I love being involved in all this other stuff, but like, you know, the kind of thing where it's like, what do you want to do all day? For me, it would be draw comics. I just, it's just, I just, um, I'm just off on all these different tangents because I like working on a bunch of different things. So, but it'll be nice to be back on comics. So that, that should take up the majority of my time coming up. It's that and just, Go ahead. That and just like making more pieces for the book, you know, mm. those are the two joys in my life right now, I guess, or two of them, Luna being the third. So, <laughs> how many pieces do you have so far for the book? I don't know. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> no, I really don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I, I have to sit down and I have to sit down and start putting it together. So, um, I was I was planning on having the month of December where I was going to put together the book, but that's not going to happen now. So, I'll probably just end up assembling it slowly, like a little bit at a time. So. Are you going uh, through a personal? Are you self-publishing it? Or are you going to go to through like image or, or like? No, it'll, it'll be a proper art book, and then um, I have a couple of hey, people I can, I can pitch it to. <laughs> yeah, so I, there are a couple of people I can pitch it to. Um, it, it, you know, it'll just be like you know, your basic art book, small, soft cover, you know, whatever. You know, so what not do you mean like by pitch? You tell pitches. you show them the book and see if they want to print it and publish it. Is that what you're talking about? There, there, there are a couple of people I know that I can get to publish it probably. Mm. Or that that they will consider it, you know, friends of mine um, that are that are a part of different studios. So basically, I'm going to put together the book first, and then worry about that later, because I'm more interested in getting the. I'd rather have the book done before I like start pitching it to people. So yeah, that's um, a, that's the best but, way because <laughs> you're like, well, it's not. Well, no, the better way is like you make a presentation and then you know you get the deal and then you put it together. But sure. because these are because these are friends of mine, and then I want to work. I want to work with them. I really would prefer for them to do it. I want to walk up to them with a finished product first. Sure. You know, that way we could plan with there. It's a little bit unusual. If I, if I was working, you know, and it's the kind of thing where it's like that way I have control of it. And once it, I'm like, 
the, the product it's either printed or not you know and you know if, if worse comes to worse i can self-publish it as well which is not an issue these days so because self-publishing is um a very cheap and very viable these days you know it's it's not it's not a big deal like it used to be yeah it's totally t- it's, it's changed a ton i'm the only reason i ask is because i'm looking into it a lot uh off and on and i'm going to be using kickstarter for the lost boy stuff and the one thing i've noticed through the success of people is and i and I, what i'm telling you why i think it's good that you're doing that is by by completing or getting really close to completing the book or as close as you can at least getting like 75 percent the way there is I've noticed that a lot of failures in this in the Kickstarter thing is people are like, I want to do this thing, and can you pay me? And then they're like, okay, now I have to start. And then like, oh shit, I don't want to do this. And then they get all this, you know, they get rewarded, but then they don't end up getting the chance to do it because it's too much pressure. If that makes yeah, sense. But, yeah, but I mean, that's that's kind of well, that's, you know, that's just that's just the risk of doing Kickstarter. Kickstarter is gambling, you know. So that's true. That's uh, true. you know, I mean, but but I'm not going to use a Kickstarter. It's just purely for my own reasons like I, I want to have the book finished for myself because i'm actually trying to make a statement with this book uh it's going to contain a certain amount of work a certain style so it's kind of more for my own benefit mm. and for it to come together organically so for me i'd rather have it finished and it's not going to be a kickstarter i'm just going to put it out why do you, you hate kickstarter so much it's not point? hating it's I'm, not I'm, hating kickstarter. i'm joking with you yeah, <laughs> yeah no but it's not hating kickstarter it's no, actually it's actually very viable to put out a book yourself kickstarter is kind of not necessary hey you what know, are you trying kickstarter to say? Is ne- kickstarter is necessary for big projects yeah not books. that's what i'm so, trying to do though i'm trying to do a pretty big project, yeah i know, so. I, know I know you're trying to do a big project i mean if you're trying to do an animation or a film and stuff like that books are very viable you know it's 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 very easy to do a business plan that you can make your money back on books. It's not, books are not a huge investment. You know, there's a lot of low run. There's a lot of printing places that will do like small runs these days and it's pretty affordable, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's even like, you know, Steve Albini says the same thing. He was going after some, uh, one of those musicians that got like a million dollars for their Kickstarter and then they weren't paying people and all that nonsense. And, <laughs> you know, Steve Albini was going on to a whole thing and, and, you know, I know comics, he's knows music and he's kind of saying the same thing. He's just like, he's like, it's viable to go on tour and have it pay for itself he's like he doesn't see the reason for an entity like kickstarter going to making a record and it's very true the economics of it aren't that bad unless you know like it's something you're doing or like a big project animation then it makes sense because you do need investors for that kind of thing you know yeah i think usually it's just i I guess i just have to do the math and figure out like what i want to do like if i want to do like toys and and shirts and all that kind of stuff and then on top of the book because it's not just the book necessarily it's it's a bunch more things and and trying to figure out how much it costs so i'm not having to like pay out like 40 50 grand just to get it going i'm able to have people that are interested in doing it are interested in supporting it wanting a piece of that they can have a piece of supporting it enough so that it actually becomes a a reality um but yeah i think that and the kickstarter thing is fascinating the whole printing thing i've been looking into um possibly um, using image just because of obviously the logo and the distribution and stuff but i've heard that they're really good with content original content creators and stuff like that as well and um also like there's idw but um yeah i don't know i'm just i'm fascinated about that stuff too because that's a big part of getting yourself out there and and being present and also you know allowing it so people you know the day that you found mobius's work you know there's some day that if you have a if you make your book and you and you go through a channel distribution where it can get out to more people, there's going to be a kid that he's going to find your book and it's going to be one of those things. And he's going to, he's going to be on a podcast 
later in his life and he's talking about it you know <laughs> you I never guess. know you never you, you never know you know that's the funny well, thing. I, I never think about things i'm very i'm very self-centered and it's just about me drawing something <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that man and then like if well, people it is, enjoy, right? that's fine well it's like you know they're, they're they're invited to participate and if they enjoy it that's fine if they don't that's fine too because it's not the point it's sure. just me to draw something and then you know finish up and go grab a bite to eat you know so. <laughs> outside of art though uh because I, I know art really is is a, is a huge significant part of your life outside of art um, what are things that interest you beyond that besides your cat and art you know is it is are you into cooking is there any physical activities that you're into now um nothing really I, I at this at this point i kind of the my my way of relaxation is kind of just like some multiplayer video gaming what's you know that? like tight uh, just playing online and kicking the shit out of people like Titanfall, um, stuff like that. Call <laughs> Duty. Um, so I do, you know, that's the, I do that. Um, outside of that, just like bike rides with my friend and going out to eat. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. I hate cooking. Um, you hate I don't cooking. Stop. Yeah, I just I watch movies, I watch cartoons, and you're, you're, <laughs> you know I want to go 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 on vacations every once in a while. Hit up an art show, <laughs> yeah. hopefully not by force, and um, you know that's about it. You know I like to wander. I like to wander around places. Have you been I to like Europe to recently? Not recently, but I just came back from Detroit. Um, How was that? That was nice. It's 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 um. It's really weird. It's a, it's a, it's a town that like you can go into a neighborhood, you'll see like two mansions and the one in between it is like uh, abandoned and falling down. You know, you, yeah. you know, you see like an entire block that are un- uninhabited. Like you see like, um, you see like downtown, they'll have like this old, like mid century building, like high rise, a high rise stone, beautiful sculptures on it, you know, sculptures of like, uh, these beautiful female figures up on the top and like beautiful arches and everything completely abandoned and fallen down. And that's like a regular thing. It's not just like you see one. It's weird that it's America, huh? Well, it's interesting. It's this weird urban, uh, urban wilderness. That's kind of interesting. It's depressing, but it's kind of interesting. But like the great thing about Detroit is the people are great. The people are very positive, very friendly. Um, some of the nicest people I, some of the nicest people I met traveling. I mean, I really, um, I really dug Detroit. I was only there for a few days, but I really liked it a lot, you know? So stuff like that, that, that kind of just, it was a very kind of inspiring trip, probably just cause I got to get away for a little while, you know? Yeah. It's important. I think I, I bring that up quite a bit is travel. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to travel a little bit and I try to get out of the country like two or three times out of the year just for speaking and, and, and meeting other people and stuff or conventions and stuff. It's, it's really cool, but I think it's really important uh, to give you clarity and just kind of understand the world around you a little bit more. Just, you know, I don't know, you get inspiration. I don't know about you, but I get inspiration from so many different things and, and traveling is one of those things too. Just kind of, for me, it's like all, a lot of my normal things, they turn daily. I get numb to reality because I'm just kind of going through the routine. But when I travel, everything opens up, like my mind's eye opens up completely and I'm completely aware and yeah, so my next big trip, I'm super excited. Is I'm going to Tokyo. Have you been to Japan yet? No, I've never been to Asia. I wish I, I want to though, but I'd love I'd love to. I've been to Europe. We should go bros trip. Bros trip. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'd I'd love to check it out. You know, so Dude. I've never, you know, I um I'd really like to go to Korea. You know, Vietnam. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Some Vietnam pistachio. would be amazing. The, the food that I, I hear the food there is just phenomenal. It's just I'm sure. Oh man, I freaking love Vietnamese food too. It's so healthy and like it's so light and well, most of it, but yeah, it's super good. Yeah, so I'd like to do some of that, you know. Um, you should you ever watch Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown, the show? No, I, I don't. I don't. I haven't seen his show in a real long time. So it's a great show. He actually went to Detroit because he goes around the world and tries out food in different towns and stuff. And yeah, his 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 uh his episode on Detroit was really it was really interesting. It was really cool. I think you'd like that show. He's 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 got a very he's got a Howard Stern thing going on. I think. Where the way that he communicates, he's very smart and and and, and wise in the ways of communication. He's very really good. Well, I remember, <laughs> I remember back in the days when he first started, when he was still like a little bit, he was still a little bit rougher and would, would go around on the Food Network wearing a Dead Boys T-shirt. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really do that anymore. <laughs> uh, he kind of does. Like the funny thing is, is like there's this recent episode of Parts Unknown, and he's out in Tokyo, and and he's like goes to like this live show of like this metal band in Tokyo and he he like is interviewing them at the end and behind the scenes later on he's like what's one of the bands that you hate the most and they're all like Creed and he's like yeah Creed is the worst and he was going off and about Creed it was so funny and or like Nickelback or something I can't remember it was like you know one of those horrible horrible American bands that somehow made it huge success but uh it was just it was really funny and 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 ever since that episode, exactly, I was like, oh, this is like my favorite show. It's so funny, yeah. like, because <laughs> he's just, he, he doesn't give a shit and he's just being himself, you know, um, and, 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 and aware that it doesn't matter, you know, like he's just, he's, he's, he's just himself and he's enjoying his life and he's got, a, he's kind of made like a dream job out of his position in life too. So I remember one of them, he was like in Sicily and he had like a midlife crisis during the episode. And then he, he was like he was like in a he was in a scuba suit out in the ocean and they're like throwing squid over the board and he was just saying like how he just hated life and he was like it was just really interesting like honest uh, viewpoint into somebody's life and yeah I don't know it's interesting did stuff. He go back and did he go back on heroin I don't know yeah I don't know I don't think so uh, I don't, that would make a fun episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's so fucked up. I think I think he, I think he drank himself into into a stupor though that during that whole episode. So there we go. Well, some form of he was numb to reality. Yeah, he was numb to his reality. But yeah, yeah. he should make it out to Asia though. That's definitely. Yeah, I'd I like wait. to. Actually, one of the best shows I've seen recently is I I saw Melt Banana in Oakland. That was a really fun show. Been a fan of theirs for a real long time. Never even heard of that. Is it, what kind of music is that? Uh, it's basically, it's, it's like a, well, these days it's just a chick and the guitarist and he plays like kind of erratic, kind of noisy music and she sounds like Pikachu and it's rad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, actually, there's another Japanese band that I'm really into and it's mostly instrumental and they're called world's end girlfriend and you can find them on SoundCloud and you can probably get most of their stuff for free. So they're worth checking out. That's a good drawing kind of drawing in the middle of night kind of band. You've always been a friend of mine that had a very obscure music taste. I always remember talking to you about music. I remember even talking about like Radiohead and you're all, Oh, well it's just like our apex twin or something like that. There was like a correlation that you're trying to, this is back when I was like in high school. So I didn't have a huge understanding of music. It was probably like, I was more into like AFI and stuff. <laughs> and you were like, you know, we, we talk a little bit about music cause we both really love music, but 
yeah, you, what are you into now? Because I remember you had a very obscure. Um, um, nothing, nothing too bizarre because I just um, I don't follow. I don't follow so much anymore. Um, what one I, I listen to if I'm on deadline, I listen, or if I need to turn something in, I listen. What I do for the last like few hours, is I blast wolves in the throne room, and they're like a group from Portland, I think. And so I'm really into them. I, I've been listening to Agaloc a lot for the last past few years. It's kind of like this instrumentally kind of metal kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean it's just like kind of the usual. The usual thing you know the new sleep song is really good um <laughs> See, i've never even heard of any of these things yeah, i've never heard of these the sleep, sleep is from da- uh sleep is from san jose <laughs> but they're, they're they're like a they're a long defunct like a, a you know doom metal band whatever you want to call it and they recently just put out a song for some reason like their first song in 20 years but their their, their epic record is dope smoker so most people know that um mm. Uh, yeah, so like just stuff like that. Um, Have you heard the new Death Above nineteen seventy nine? Do you listen to them? What is it? Death Above nineteen seventy nine. I think that's their name. I, I have no idea what that is. No, it's like a the drummer who sings and then just a bass player. This is oh, bass okay. and drums, and it's pretty rad. It's like they're riff monsters, and they just kind of jam out and stuff. It's a lot of fun. A lot, oh, okay. of, a lot of power, like tons of noise that comes from just drums and bass and vocals. Are they? Are they? Like, you mean like lightning bolt? Like kind of like yeah, kind of like beat? lightning bolt. But it's not. Oh, okay. It's it's. I mean, their newest album had. They're they're. I don't know how to explain it. You just have to listen to them. But I'm just. I, and when I listen to them, I was like, I always think, oh, I wonder if John likes these guys. He's kind of in that vein, but I could be completely missing it. So. No, I'm I'm pretty out of date these days. You know, so like I just, I just um I just haven't been able to keep up, quite honestly. So um. But, you know, I still get every Melvin's record, you know, things like that, you know. Um, You're living in the past, man. I'm joking. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I listen to Crevices Below. World's End Girlfriend still puts stuff out. Wolves in the Throne Room puts stuff out. Agaloc just had a new record come out. So it's a lot of that kind of like just instrumentally kind of metally kind of stuff. The new Godspeed and the Black Emperor record was good. Yeah. Or not, like a few years ago. Mm. Um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Earth, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's obscure like rock music and stuff. Or I don't even know if you can consider it rock. Is it like alternative or something? Or I guess there's no just a lot of metal stuff like metal. that. Yeah, listening, you know, crevices below. That's something new I kind of found. You know, I've only listened to a few other things. You know, so stuff like that. Yeah, I think Deaf Heaven's interesting. They're from San Francisco. Never even heard they, of them. They, they had a they had a big record a couple of years ago. I I went I went and saw them when it was only like twenty people in the theater, and I guess the guy still had a day job scooping ice cream at Ben and Jerry's. But I'm sure those days are long gone now. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. San Francisco is such a huge hub for for that stuff too. I noticed it's like a huge hub for. There's a lot of intellectual, interesting people in that city. It's a very interesting place. <laughs> there <laughs> yeah but but like in a weird way there's like a, i've noticed uh, the the people that i've met there there's there's the people that are really smart and then there's the people that are too smart and then there's the people that are trying to be the ones that are smart but like acting like they are you know um i guess that's the truth around the world but in san francisco i, I felt like that's always been the feeling of the people that i encountered there you know in, in, from the most of the people that i've encountered there are just interesting interesting people really it's a very interesting city like filled with very interesting people 
It's, yeah. I love I love visiting there. It's it's it feels like Disneyland uh, in a sense, you know, in a contrast to where I live, which is like the suburbs of San Diego. You know, it's like super quiet and chill most of the time. And yeah, there's there's only one person I know who's too smart for everybody and is a literal genius. And he went to the Philippines to raise goats. So <laughs> he's, <that's>, <laughs> he's incredibly smart. Then <laughs> he's, oh no, he's still. He's still a genius. I I, I don't say that lightly. <laughs> yeah, he's the re, he's the real deal. So, but the real deal, they often can't deal with society and things, you know, because it's all bullshit. Because it is all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, damn, dude, it's been a good talk. Yeah, for sure, man. Did you, is, I, I mean, I know that we probably touched on a lot of weird stuff. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure that you got out there? Like, I wanted to make sure that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I asked this and I, th- I put people in the spot. I think it makes them feel uncomfortable, but is there anything that you would tell your, your younger self to help you out and what you, with what you're doing? I know that there, there's a, such a wide spectrum. The audience for this podcast is, is, is getting bigger by the day and it's, and there's, there's business owners all the way to, um, starting artists and stuff like that. But I always, I'm always curious. I know it's, it was kind of odd to give advice, but I'm just curious is there something that you can think of that really has helped you along with just being who you are and, and what you've kind of created for yourself? Anything that comes to mind for you? That I would tell my younger self? Yeah, your younger self or just anybody out there that, you know, is passionate about being an artist or wanting to create their own style or, or I don't know, just their passion, but they don't know where to put it, I suppose, you know. Just do whatever you want, man. As long do whatever you want, as long as you're not raping kids and murdering people. <laughs> what about so, blowing them up? No, I guess I, that gets that's uh, there, there, that might be a gray area, but yeah, I mean that's that's probably the best advice I can give you. Do what you want, you'll eventually find your way. I mean, I guess that's kind of dumb, but you know that's kind of what I went by. But I try not to intellectualize things too much. Yeah, I know you're so nonchalant about shit. I'd, damn you (laughs) i think that's always been our conversations too i would get tied up in a in a twist of just trying to explain and understand things and you're like yeah you know who gives a shit just go draw and i'm like yeah i guess that's probably the best way to do it so (laughs) yeah well you gotta live a stress-free life man right yes try to at least (laughs) yeah man well i mean like seriously it's it's crazy to think that it's almost been close to 15 years and um yeah it's really awesome to 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 know you and see what you're doing and i'm excited to support whatever it is that your your next endeavors and stuff and and best of luck with the book and the comic and if you need help just let me know and yeah man stoked for you and all that goodness and it's it's rad to to develop myself and show you you know like i was saying um you know all all these these talks and stuff they didn't go on deaf ears i was listening paying attention and trying to be <laughs> a better person and a creative myself too so so it end up being a dipshit you know so which i yeah. still kind of am but you know <laughs> no, you still are man it was good talking to you man i always um you know I, you you were a talented you were a talented kid back then, so I always knew you were gonna do something with it, man. I didn't think you were gonna flake out on it. So um, you know, it's good to see it's good to see you doing so well, man. I think you're only gonna do better, especially now that you're doing, you know, the Lost Boys and you got like the, the directorial stuff you're doing, man. It's really exciting to see what you're gonna where you're gonna end up in like ten years, man. Two ten years, man. But yeah, I'm excited. Who knows? We're we're both of us. Hopefully, we're alive and we're enjoying ourselves. So. <laughs> yeah, you never know. World War Three could be around the corner. The zombie apocalypse. So. <laughs> I'd like to think giant robots, but you know, teach their own. <laughs> we can have both of them at the same time. 
just depends. There you on go. <laughs> but on that amazing note, um, yeah, let's have a freaking awesome night and let's keep in touch. And like I said, if you need anything, just hit me up and I can try to do my best to help you out. All right, absolutely, man. Vice Thank versa. I'll try to make it up to San Jose and we just hang out. You can show me all your sweet nibs and paint techniques. <laughs> right on, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Killer. Looking forward to it. Cool, man. All right, homie. So is that a wrap right there? There it is. 